And, and to despise the way God made us and who we are is to shake our fist in the face of the Creator. This is the Tabernacle Podcast with John Vermillion and me, Britton Bishop. What's up, John? Currently, what's up is I am sipping pomegranate tea <laughs> on a rainy Northern Michigan day, and I just want to know if I can keep my man card. 100%, because only one reason. It's Jocko. Oh, it's Jocko tea. Yeah. This is true. And it is a Black Rifle coffee mug it that is. is coming out of. Is that all right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, it's actually delicious. With a cool duck on it. Isn't that like a, a fire pilot duck. thing? Yeah. yeah, it's something like that. Seth Bush gave me that cup. Yep. And we are joined also today by adult supervision, um, Ben Brown. <laughs> What's up? The man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, thanks for welcoming me back into the podcast dungeon today. For sure. Can, can, can I just say that Ben's hat game is probably... Uh, Superior to all on staff. No yep. offense, Britton. You have great hat game. I don't, no offense. You have taken. great hat game. But no I have taken. seen you in some like, you know, Oklahoma stuff. Like Dang, whatever it is. Fired. No, not shots. I mean, it's like. <laughs> what, but Ben is pulling off Husqvarna hat right now. He is, and he looks with the flat and his beard is much better than mine. <laughs> much better. That's that's the the other day we had an all staff meeting, and one of my takeaways was. You're still not there yet, bud. <laughs> With the beard? Because Ben's beard is way better than He's yours. Got, oh. <laughs> I'm like a child compared to both of you when it comes to beards. Oh, just Britain, got this little, this little salty thing. It that was my... him and Matt McQueen sitting next to each other. Oh, gosh. And that's I was like, man, I don't even know if I've hit puberty yet, like, yeah. <laughs> based off what I'm seeing across the, the table. Th- this little fuzzy thing on my chin, uh, my daughter calls a squirrel. Yeah, that's about all I can pull off. Oh, man. Love it. Well, uh, today, um, yeah, we're joined by Ben, and uh, we're going to bridge a topic that is a hot button um, in today's culture, and it is identity. Um, What do I identify as? Where do I find identity at? What are the things that give me my identity? Some stuff like that. So that's something that I think uh, the church needs to talk about. And so that's why we're going to use the platform that God gave us called the Tabernacle Podcast to kind of bridge this topic that is identity, because I think that there's a ton of hurting people in our world today. There's a ton of issues. Um, in culture today. And it's not just the 13 year olds, right? Because I think this is one that's like, yeah, but when I grow up, I'll figure out my identity. But I think more and more we're seeing adults with kids, um, with grandkids still struggling. Who am I? What am I here for? Um, and so I think that especially in today's culture, we're continuing, continually being pushed on this thing that you need to identify as something. But then the culture's good news is you get to choose what it is. Right. And then that's where all the pressure is applied. And I think it's a crippling pressure. And I think it's one that leads people to depression, anxiety. Um, I think that's a a huge factor of why the suicide rates are so high is because people don't know who they are. And there's a ton of pressure to know. And when you don't know, it's like, well, I must not be worth being here anymore, I think is something we're seeing. So we're going to bridge all of that today and try to bring it to a biblical perspective and it's not a biblical perspective tab family because we're trying to jesus juke your issues or your topics but it's because that's the truth that i've Mm -hmm. built my life on and so that's going to be what i allow to inform myself and then hopefully inform the people listening so yeah fellas what's up well one one thing when you brought that up is it isn't just um and i'm talking to christians here it's not just those people who are struggling with sexual identity is what I hear you saying. Yeah, that's that's one piece of this. Yeah. But it's also for the for the Christian 
person, for the Christian young person, the Christian old person, man or woman, that hasn't quite figured that out yet and is still chasing identity in people, in uh, place, in things. I mean, how many times um, have I talked to somebody, they're struggling with life or they're struggling with marriage or they're struggling with whatever it is, and they assume, well, you know what, I'll change my geographic location. If I just move to the UP then everything would be okay. If I just move to Alaska, let's let's double down, right? Or maybe it's back home and home is Florida. Or, you know, for me, you know, if I just lived in Port-au-Prince again, then all my problems would go away, mm. right? So that's an identity issue. Oh, for sure. It just, so, so it isn't just people. It's like, okay, I don't, I don't like who I am, so I'm going to have a problem with you, so I'm going to change spouses, mm. right? Or... I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to suffer with loneliness or depression, anxiety. It's a huge piece and there's a lot of problems. Yeah. And, you know, as you were talking about that, this, this concept of identity, it's amazing how many times we try to take external circumstances, external, like you said, John, a location, and we're going to use that as our identity. And I've had the same experiences, you know, sitting in fight clubs, uh, even, you know, trying to get, you know, talk to a maybe husband and wife struggling a little bit in their marriage. And, you know, we're just going to take a look and see if there's anything that God says that's going to help that. I'm amazed. And in my own personal life, how many times when I'm struggling with something, it really comes down to, I've forgotten who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, I don't know who I am. Uh, that I, it's at the core of so much of that I have found is this issue of identity yeah. and being able to start right off. Um, well, when we've talked about that here at the tabernacle, um, you know, when, when we even talk about a relationship with God, it isn't about all the things that we do so that God will like us. Mm. It starts with the identity that he gives us. Mm. And out of that, everything flows. Now, maybe yeah. I'm jumping, <clears throat> jumping no, ahead good. here a little bit too much, no. but over and over again, I find how important it is to come back to, okay, let's, let's forget all of this other stuff, all of these works, all of this other stuff that we're trying to do, all these things we're trying to figure out who we are. Let's come right back to, well, what does God say about yeah. me? And let's start with that. Yeah. And I think just to get practical with people, like just to make it, we're not just three talking heads in a room that have it all figured out. I remember when I was first getting into ministry, um, when I lived in Western Kansas and one day was sitting in my office and I was like, man, like I should probably have this figured out by now. Like who I am, what my identity is. Like I'm a student ministries pastor. I was a youth director, but I'm at this church. Like I should have it figured out. I'm speaking into kids' lives. And there was just a moment where I was like, I have no idea who I am. And it was like panic mode. And so what did I immediately do? Blamed location and blamed the environment. And I said, all right, I need to get back to Oklahoma because that's where I, you know what I'm saying? And so I moved back to Oklahoma. I get back to Oklahoma and I spent probably four of those seven months really still, I have no idea who I am. And it wasn't until I spent time alone with God, not allowing my my situation, my circumstance, or my environment to tell me what was going to happen with my life, right? I had to remove what am I going to do for the rest of my life? Who am I going to be with for the rest of my life? But really had to boil it down to the nitty gritty, right? Right down to the bones. What makes me who I am? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And it finally, right, took me probably 10 months to finally boil it back down to, oh, it's Christ. Hmm. And then in the next three months, my life blew up again, and I found myself up here. But I found myself slipping even in the drive, like, okay, I got my identity back. I'm back in church. And then I remember COVID hits and all that, and I'm still sitting up here. And it's like, 
this isn't your identity, bro. You got to take it away again, right? Oh. <laughs> but but it was I was already going back there so quickly. Oh, like as soon well, as I yeah, got man. the title again, or I soon like got on the staff again, or got the microphone back in my hand, it was like, oh, now I have identity again. It was like, no, hmm. those aren't your identity. I'm your identity. And it was like, oh, thanks, COVID. Like I needed that because oh, yeah. I would have blown in and blown out here just like I did in Kansas. Well, and and. You know, just to jump right to that whole church ministry thing, I mean, I know a lot of people that are probably listening, they're like, okay, you guys are pastors, um, right. you know, that that's your title, that's your that's your identity. Oh, that's a dangerous slippery slope when you, suddenly you're, you're full-time on a staff. I mean, we'll just, let's, let's segue into that just for a minute. We'll take that bunny trail. Uh, when you're, that so quickly can become your identity. And it's like, well, yeah, this is a Jesus thing, man. This is good. It, it, that should be a good thing. What happens when suddenly that falls apart? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, hey, church, even in churches, I mean, we're humans. And, you know, God God builds up churches, and then sometimes he's ready to – he's got a different plan for things, and, and he moves people to different places. And when suddenly <laughs> – it's like, but if I'm not doing this, then what am I? And yeah, you want to really you want to wrestle with God on that. Go up on a mountain sometime and, and spend a few days alone, and and uh, he, he'll strip away a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're we're getting really into the right. deep dive well, for everybody yeah. who calls themselves a Christian and is working on a church staff. But yeah. we probably need to dial it back. <laughs> There's here at least a three bit. of those that yeah. listen to the podcast. <laughs> but it, but it does affect every single one of us, even if you're not aware. Yep. Yeah. And it and and just I was thinking about this one example. Is when you get up in the morning, you know, hopefully you brush your teeth, take a shower, get a little coffee, get ready to go. When you're putting on clothes, you're deciding what is my identity today. Mm. You know, I'm looking just in down here in the dungeon. So Britain's rocking the Carhartt sweatshirt, and he's got, I think that's an avalanche. I don't know what kind of shirt or what kind of hat that is, right? But there's a certain thing that goes with the beard. You know, Ben, like I said, has got the Husqvarna hat with the big beard, the black T-shirt. He looks like... He could be in a band, right? I'm rocking a blue Buckley Bears coaching polo shirt, right? Because, so, so it's like, oh, so here's a coach. Oh, here's you know Ben. He could be in a Harley right now. Britain could do just about anything. He, he could be working on a railroad with that Carhartt, or you don't know. And that's right? why Carhartt is the greatest band brand ever invented, and they need to sponsor the. We're podcast. still trying to get a sponsor. <laughs> but what I mean by that is, is, is so much about the exterior has yeah. to do with our identity too. But yeah. really, it's the interior that drives us. Mm-hmm. So just last, uh, or I don't know, a couple weekends ago, um, some members of the Tabernacle Executive Team were at a church conference in Chicago. And I'd like to think I'm an observer of people, especially in a new environment. And it doesn't matter what it was about, but they're all pastors or people in ministry. And the majority of them were white. There were some other ethnicities as well. There were some black folks there. It looked like there were some people maybe from Bangladesh or India there. And the majority of those pastors were wearing khaki pants and polo shirts, which there's nothing wrong with khaki pants and polo shirts. Now, there was a few of them that were stepping out. There was a few of them, like, we could tell if you were going to speak, you were probably in what my dad used to call trousers, <laughs> right, <laughs> or slacks. And they had, like, a shirt that they could maybe put a coat on. And then I look at the Buckley bros, <laughs> right? Ben's rocking that same black T-shirt that he's got here. He's got blue jeans on, and he's got one of those, you know, chains coming out with the wallet, which is perfect, because, like, he's ready to get on a Harley-Davidson, right? right. You know, Rizzy has got, you know, the... You know, kind of the athletic look because he's a taekwondo multi-belt. Um, and Tim's wearing a T-shirt that says college, right? <laughs> Seth's got some sort of camo. He's ready to hunt. 
And it was like, what message are we sending? And the message was, the barbarian church has arrived. Yeah. <laughs> right? Someone's like, oh, it was nice they let them come. Yes, <laughs> yes. Someone let them out of the great white north. But it is an identity piece. Whether you work in a cubicle or you work outdoors, so much of that. And, and, yeah. if, and if you don't think that's true, if you don't think that's true, men, if you're listening— how much time do you spend making sure that you're driving the right vehicle? Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. right truck with the right tires. It's the right look, and it's for your job, quote, yeah. unquote, yeah. right? You've never carried anything in the bed of that truck because it's so shiny. Are you talking right? to me? No, uh, I'm not talking to you now. I'm not talking to you. So you're a pastor. It's you an identity piece. Four four. Bro, I have a shiny Jeep. It's never <laughs> yeah, climbed anything. My, the so. only thing that goes in the back of my truck is golf clubs. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's for sure it's an identity piece. And I think, too— I don't know. Um, I find do you are you guys I'm becoming more aware as I get older, slowly, very slowly. But I know like identity wise, I kind of have created like this identity that I think is one that I like feel comfortable with. Yeah. And so one, there's the Jesus piece to all that, but then there's like the identity piece like John's talking about. And I know that when I'm outside of that identity that I've created, everything else starts to get affected just a little bit. I don't know if that makes sense, but I know that like, I, I think the phrase that's coming to mind is like image management. Yes. And if yep. I'm not able to manage my image, then everything else gets affected by that. And so I don't know if you guys still, if that's only like a 25 year old thing or if that's. Bro, I'm yeah. 45 now and it it's still, John, you hit a nail on the head. You get up in the morning and there's such a default. What shirt am I going to grab? And my, you know, if I'm going to get real personal, I have spent most of my life learning how to be a chameleon into different mm-hmm. groups of people. And I will immediately think to myself, okay, who am I going to be around today? What shirt do I need to grab that is going to fit in? Now, with you guys, I can I can do the, like, the the biker guy you know, maybe might be in a band, you know, might be a lumberjack. We don't know where this cat rolled in from. And I can do that with you guys. Well, different groups of people, that's not going to necessarily fly as well. Um, and part of our image that we project with what we wear and, you know, the hat that we have on, do we not have a hat on, uh, the vehicle we drive, there's a lot of communication that happens with other people that way. So that's not always necessarily a bad thing um, until that starts to become uh, the root of who we are. And... Yeah, the the whole image management thing is is huge, and yeah, I want to be presentable with a group of people. I don't want to be wearing something that is going to be offensive, um, but what can happen, and there's probably a lot of people listening can relate to this, is you can become such a good image manager, you don't even know who you are, Yeah, and that's something where I, I mean, in just my personal walk, uh, my very slow walk with Jesus uh, same thing, Brendan. It takes a long time for me to get something, and then I find myself constantly having to go back. It's like, man, I thought I, I thought I learned this eight years ago. Right. Why am I still having to come back to this and reevaluate? Uh, and and, and, you know, this is, and part of that is why we have brothers around us. Why we have people that hold us accountable. I was in a conversation with with our good friend Foster Christie yesterday. Hey, Fuzz, love you, buddy. Uh, and he just was reminding me again of, bro, this is, <laughs> let's go back to square one on this thing. Um, let's, let's, let's remember grace. 
Um, but again, back to that whole being a chameleon thing, you can get so used to trying to fit in with different groups of people uh, that you can completely lose who you are. Yeah. And with something I'm going through right now, uh, just to go there, is, is trying to stop doing that as much and figure out who, who Ben is uh, at the root of that. Who did God create me to be? Now, I'm a pastor on staff, and I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, I'm like you said, bro. Yeah, uh, it should have this all together now. It's like, no, I think this is something. This is a lifelong journey, and until we stand face face to face before God Himself, it's probably going to be something we're going to wrestle with because of our that nature we have, the pride. Ooh, pride. We just <laughs> talked about that, didn't mm, we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that pride that sets in that's that we want to be set apart. We want to be recognized, mm. and. Uh, yeah, I'll stop talking for a there's, moment. There's, you know, as I was thinking about this, there's, there's two places that I think, two general directions we can look at to find our identity. And uh, we need to be careful. So the first one is to look outside myself right. for identity. Mm. So that is when I'm looking to, as I already mentioned, people, places, or things to make me feel like who I am. Ben, I can relate to, to, to living like a chameleon. Uh, it's, it's a gift and a curse. It's a curse if you're faking it. It's a gift if you're trying to relate to people, whether I'm you know, in a third world country or I'm across the seas on a mission trip in Europe or I'm in the Bucktucky, right, with my, with my people, right, in the, in the great white barbarian wasteland, right? So that's, that's when it's good. But if I'm looking outside to find my identity, how much stuff makes me feel who I'm supposed to be or who I really am? The right car, the right motorcycle. Before this podcast recording began, we were talking about dream bikes, right? <laughs> By the way, John wants an Indian scout. Anyways, uh, uh, Ben would like one too. I think. I think. What did you decide? You needed some ben sort of decided something for me. What was it? Yeah. What was the one for Britain's body? Uh, Harley Road King. Yeah. yeah, the Harley Road King. Right. Uh, so Harley, if you want to sponsor Britain Bishop, you know where to find him. But we look outside because we think that that'll somehow spell out who we are, and we're being silly here, but because we're guys, but. Men and women have the same thing. What is that thing or those things that are giving me identity? So I'm looking outside myself. Maybe it's not things. Maybe it's people, that person, the right spouse, the right relationship, the right friend group. You know, if I can get accepted to this church, you know, and just feel like I'm a part of things. Well, how much of that do you need to really feel or feel that fulfillment, to feel filled? Mm. That's a hard thing to say, feel filled. Is, yeah. right? So it's people, places, or things. We already mentioned geography. Or... Here's the other place that's a scary place to look for your identity, and that is to what the world says, look deep inside yourself. Right. Look deep inside yourself. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but I think that one of the biggest reasons that we have gender confusion is what I'll call it right now, gender confusion. You know, yes, sin, right? To, to, to try to be anything else than who God created me to be. But that's not just with sexuality. It's, it's the gender confusion. It's this, all, all of that comes back to, I'm looking in the wrong place for my identity. And I'll tell you why. If I look outside myself to people, places, and things, all of those can be lost, stolen, or destroyed. But if I look deep inside myself, do you know how many times I've let me down? <laughs> yeah. Scripture says that, that, that we're all sinners. We all sh fall short of the glory of God. And my biggest war is against my own flesh. And, and, and so like this, you know, find yourself. Don't go find yourself. Yeah. I mean, if I really find myself the way I came out the womb, 
you don't want that guy because that guy's a wicked sinner. No, and so who do we look to for identity? It can't yeah. be deep within, and, and that's what, and that's the lie of the world because it sounds good. Mm. You know, your truth is yours, Britain, and yeah. it's deep inside your soul. So you know what? Go up and f- get into a cabin. Just get in touch with yourself. That just sounds creepy. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you think about it long enough, it's like, what am I going to find in there? You're going to find a whole lot of hurt, a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of sin, a whole lot of me. Mm. And that's not what we learn from the gospel. Right. And now on that, though, sometimes it is good to look deep inside. But if you're just looking for all the best parts of me, the stuff that makes me unique, uh, yeah, that's where you're you're going to get a little diluted. I will get diluted. Uh, I will build myself up in my own head. But... And, and but having those times where we do, we honestly unpack it and are like, oh, I know <laughs> that part of my heart is desperately wicked. That part of my heart is so prideful. That part of me is just a little boy that wants everybody to like me because that's where I get my value. And okay, now that we've got that, now the question is, what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. Oh, we've identified this. Now I either feel horrible about myself and I don't know how to process this. Or we can do something else with that. Yeah, and I think a key starting place whenever you look at that is we've all got to start somewhere. And so I think in this idea of finding identity, if you don't have – because we're all talking, speaking to this from a perspective of being a Christian. Right. Right. I, I have a general understanding of truth. I have a general understanding of what Jesus says about me. So let's back that up a and little so bit. And so now I think the other key piece is that when you're looking – into yourself and you're looking outside yourself, but you've never met Christ. You haven't given your, you aren't fully surrendered to Jesus and you haven't fully surrendered to the identity that he promises us in scripture that we're going to go through here in a minute. You will continuously not find anything that is consistent. And that's my belief. That's my conviction that there is only one truth. There's only one way. There's only one life. There's only one identity. And it's the one that Christ died for me to have. And probably where a lot of that comes from, Britain is we get to this point where we like the idea of God, but then we we don't really want to be a created being mm-hmm. that's been created in his image. And being able to back that up a little bit further, it's like if you don't believe in creation or anything, yeah, you're a culmination of random assembled molecules and elements uh, with no purpose. It's just happenstance that we happen to be here. Good luck with your identity. Your identity is mush is really what it is. And it's going to be – there is nothing concrete you're going to land on. I think that's why we're seeing it change so much too because the things that my generation identity-wise is struggling with is completely different than some of the things that you guys' generation was struggling with identity-wise. And there's so much of a shift because there is no concrete way of thinking because it ebbs and flows and changes with culture and – the and technology and trends and all this stuff. So I think that to go to what you're talking about is it's it will always change. It's always going to change. And so let's just again pull everything else back out of the way. You're either a created being in God's image or you're not. So if you're not, good luck with that. Go have fun with that, and you're going to struggle with identity the rest of your life. Now, if we can just accept for a moment that there is a creator. That he created you, he created you, and it was intentional that he actually knows who you are. That is a game changer. Yeah. Because now we have something concrete to go to. It's like, well, if, if there is a creator, if there is this God, if 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 we're okay with the concept of heaven, okay, let's let's unpack that a little bit here. Yeah. And 
in my experience is most people are, are okay going there. It's like, okay, let's, I can talk about that. I can accept that. Okay. Now that you believe there's a creator, what does that creator say about you? What does that crew, what does he say? Um, and, and, and what's my purpose and what am I doing here? Because from that, we're going to start to get, we're, we're going to start to get that identity. Yeah. John, what do you got over there? I see you got a web page opened. Yeah, I like this uh, little web page from the Gospel Coalition, and and you can find all kinds of great great things about what it says about identity. And I hope we're not just talking in a nebulous way where people aren't getting it. I want to be as practical as we can, but I, it, it says the same thing you two have been saying. Your true identity is who God says you are. You will never discover who you are by looking inside yourself or listening to what others say. The Lord gets the first word because he made you. He gets the daily word because you live before his face. And he gets the last word because he will administer your final comprehensive life review. And so if if you're not a follower of Jesus, that sounds really scary because the, the, the thing you're looking for inside yourself or outside yourself is you're trying to fill what we've called that God-shaped hole. Mm-hmm. If you are a Christian, if there is any looking inward, it's because we say Christ lives in us and we're listening to the spirit that lives within us, right? And so for me, as a follower of Jesus, um, when I struggle with identity, it's because I've stopped believing what God said about me Mm. or I forgot. You know, as Tim likes to say, we have these built-in forgetters and and usually it's circumstances that make me forget you know of who i am and who god's made me to be and that and that things don't determine my identity and places and people and approval and though you know all of us can be susceptible to that but this is that journey through life is continually coming back okay what does god say about me yeah and so it's it it isn't like i'm trying to be hurtful to someone that doesn't know jesus i'm trying to say life gets a whole lot simpler for me following Jesus and believing what he says. And then for the Christian, when I continually, or how, how did he say that? Uh, he gets the daily word because you live before his face. I can take my eyes off Jesus and I can take my eyes off his word and I can forget who he is and forget what he said about me. That can happen in a moment. But when I come back to that, there's a real, real peace because in those moments, I feel connected to God, and I feel at peace. Yeah. And I, I, to a certain degree, I feel bulletproof mm. because whether it's a critic or it's it's the greatest praise on earth, eh, I can just live, not numb, but I can live just kind of even keeled. Yeah. You know, I'm not banging into one of the boundaries or the right. other. Yeah, I love the s- story, and I believe I think it's in Job 39. Um, but Job is, is God's kind of just painting this picture from creation. He's kind of rebuking Job a little bit, but he tells a story about an ostrich. And this is like my one-off hitter for any time I go speak to a group for five minutes or less. But there's this idea that this ostrich pretty much breaks it down. Like she's the worst mother ever because she leaves her eggs just laying in the sand. She can't fly, so she's a worthless bird. She's the dumbest creation I have. <laughs> Literally, this is all what it says here. But then at the end of it, it says, but when she runs, she laughs at horse and rider. And it's this picture of when the ostrich finds who it is and its ability to fly like other birds, Hmm. to care for its young like other birds, to think like other birds, then it's not a very good bird. But when it does what it's created to do, run. It laughs at horse and rider. And it's just this this picture of what has God designed you for? 
Because the thing is, like with identity, like we're talking about looking outside or looking in, the only place we can look for identity is to Christ. And when we look to Christ and we spend time with him, like you're saying, and we fix mm-hmm. our eyes on him and then we find identity in that, now we can really get somewhere. But when I look to Jesus's people for my identity, mm-hmm. I'll find myself let down Yep. because I will be the worst version of John Vermilia for anybody at the tabernacle ever because that's not who God designed me to be. When I look to the good things that God wants people to do for my identity, I have no idea why I'm doing them, but I know that I'm supposed to do them, but I'm still going to end up burnt out and let down. But then there's this holistic idea of letting God define who I am, coming in, looking at these gifts that I have, and then saying, okay, now what does this look like? And am I okay with it looking different than anybody else's, right. but it looking like what God has designed me to do? Yeah, you just hit the nail You hit the nail on the head there, Britton, and that is probably one of the biggest dangers of stepping into the Christian life. You're going to be rubbing elbows with other people who are, you know, and maybe you start, you're, you're, you're serving other people, but you're going to start to notice other people have other gifting. Uh, they, they're built different. They look different. Uh, man, I wish I could speak like John. Man, I wish I could uh, stand up and, and, and lead students the way Britain does and in there, suddenly we're not okay. This is the, the slippery slope. Suddenly we're not okay with how God made me. And that comparison will steal your joy. Yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the most profound things somebody told me that has continues to help me. Uh, do not compare yourself to that other person because that will steal your joy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to what God says about me. And to some extent you, you can't care too much about what other people think about you. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And I think, too, we're going to get into it. But later on in um, Ephesians where we talk, it's going to get into this idea that we're a body. And so this identity piece, if we all identify as we want to be this one thing, and that's the way that this thing's going to go, then we're missing out on a huge piece of this. If we all just want to be the Christian celebrity or be the enlightened, wise one, like old Pastor Tim, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? I mean, I wish I could share wisdom like Tim does and the way he does it and the way that people understand. Okay, I just compared myself to Tim for a minute. That was a total comparison. Yeah. But I love it. But you know what? You still got the win of the ostrich story <laughs> because you got me thinking about something. In in that context, right, is I'm, I'm going back to this struggle that, most of us have had it at one point or another. And it was a beautiful story the way you interpreted that bit of scripture with the with the ostrich and what God made the ostrich, who God made her to be, to run, right? And it's in the midst of that tirade that I think is is if if you think about the story of Job, his identity was on the line. So if you haven't read the book of Job, you should probably go back and read it. It's in the Old Testament. We think it's one of the oldest books of the Bible. But Job essentially gets caught up in this... Um, uh, this object lesson between God and Satan. Satan starts talking trash about Job, and God takes him up on on it. And and you know, Satan's basically saying the only reason that Job worships you, God, is because you've blessed him. Because he's a wealthy man, he's got a family, he's got kids. Essentially, God allows Satan to take everything away but his life. He loses his kids, he loses his servants, he loses his stuff, he loses his health. And in that moment, everyone, including his wife, is saying, "Curse God and die." His identity was on the line. Everything he built, people, places, things. His home, his stuff, his family, his children. That was on the line. And now him. And the bulk of Job is this questioning, am I a good person or am I not a good person? Meanwhile, he's completely 
oblivious to the fact that this is a cosmic struggle that's being recorded for our benefit, for our instruction, right? And it's in chapter 38 where God finally speaks. And I love how he says it, right? Is, you know, he's let him go on for chapters and chapters, he and his friends, you know, back and forth, and they're talking about identity, and they're like, you don't have an identity. It's all been taken away. Curse God and God die. And then Job's like, wah, and it's a big, long thing, and I'm not putting that down because I haven't been in his shoes. It would be pretty rough. But then it says, finally, the Lord speaks. And in the NIV, I think he says, who is this that darkens my counsel? Brace yourself like a man, and I will question you. And then he goes off. And then he goes off. (laughs) Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? He goes off for like the next uh, four chapters or three chapters with questions for Job that no one could answer. And and, and, and they're basic questions about the universe. And Job's just like, you know, taking it. And even now, a scientist couldn't answer any of those questions, right? And when God is finally done talking, I'm going to read it to you. Job 42. You can look it up. Job replies to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purposes of yours can be thwarted. <laughs> Sorry, I'm trying to have a meek voice right. here. Right? He says, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak and I will question you and you shall answer me. And then I love this. He says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Mm. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Mm. And the despise does not mean there that I hate me. He's saying in comparison to you, I despise the fact that I dared question my identity compared to how you made me and I repent. And so the reason I'm thinking about that is... I find that same tone whenever God has to bring me back to, wait a minute, John, my purpose, my plan. You know how many times it's like, you know, I mean, you guys are really kind. You'll say like, oh, John's a, you know, good talker or whatever, good speaker. Do you know how many times in my life I see that as a straight up curse or I feel like I've utterly failed or that I'm no good or that that message was terrible. Sure, I mean, just erase it. Can someone? Can just? Can I mow grass? You know, and how many times, you know, God will use someone, or He Himself will be like, say, say something like this to me, and where I feel like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I despise myself for questioning how You made me. Yeah. I repent in dust and ashes. Whether it's about speaking or anything about the way God made us. And, and to despise the way God made us and who we are is to shake our fist yeah, in on. the face of the creator. Mm. And, and I'm learning this. I'm, I'm 51 and I've got four daughters and a son and the world's telling them what they should act like and look like and be like, you know, and I've got a granddaughter now. And I hate, I hate the fact that culture and movies and film and TV and just friends at school or if, if you don't fit this mold, your identity's on the line, Right. And, and to question how God made your body or your face or the family that he gave you or, or, or to hate it is, is to almost like flip God the bird instead of saying, no, rejoice in this. Don't get cocky about it. But he had a purpose and a plan and it all makes up that identity. I'm sorry for the rant. That's no. what I do. But Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 
I definitely needed to hear that. I think more than anything, I, I, this is something that I've shared on here before, but the literally, I think that this will change my approach to life with Christ and life operating within my calling forever. And it comes down to a direct rebuke from pastor Tim and JV in the green room, get done preaching on a Saturday. And I went to what was me mode, worst sermon I've ever preached, all this crap. And it was in the nicest way possible, but in a way that I needed to hear it. But it was essentially, who are you to question the message God has given you? And who are you to question the way he said it? Because it was, and it all boiled down to, I thought I had better ideas than what God wanted to say that day. And I'm telling you to this to this minute, I it has changed the way I approach preaching. It has changed the way I approach ministry. It has changed the way I approach life with God. And it's like, Dang, I'm really glad I learned that lesson at 25, hmm. and I really hope I don't forget it when I'm 26. And so it's just that constant reminder, and I think that that's just been – that was a direct – and I think it comes from years of experience on both of you guys' ends, and you guys had to figure it out. And that's why I'm, like, counting my blessings that I get to be a part of a place that's willfully passing on, hmm. hey, this is what I learned, and this is how it needs to look. And it's like, man, thanks, God. And, you, you, you know, one of the really cool things about that moment is I don't remember the exact um, sermon point that you had made, but it had something to do with believing in the power and the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. It, it, it was whatever it was. It was it was believe that God is in control. Yeah, and you were really <laughs> beating yourself up. The irony and, of that. <laughs> yeah, and I I remember that Tim said some of those words to you, and and you were kind of checked. And then I looked at you and said, um, "Bro, you need to believe your own sermon." Mm-hmm. You need to believe what you said in that last point, and thou and that and then I saw lights come on in your eyes, and 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 the reason I'm saying that is not it had nothing to do with m- anything that I came up with. Right, it's all of us need to believe what God says about us in His Word, What's and so saying? you had just preached His Word, yeah, and then it was like you were like ah, oh, kind of doubting, and it was like, bro, <laughs> that's what He said, yeah. Why would you doubt it? You know. Um. What's he say about us in his word? What he says is about <laughs> us in his word. Uh, and and yes, Adam Sharp, when you heard that we were going to talk about identity, you know where we're going to go, <laughs> is the identity chapter. In fact, yes. I read a book one time that was all about Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, and the book was called Who Do You, Who Do you Think You Are? That was the title of the book. Who Do You Think You Are? And it was basically a breakdown for the Christian of Ephesians chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2, but mostly chapter 1. It makes me think of the quote from the bowling guy when he rolls the strike and then he screams, Who do you think you you are, I am? (laughs) (laughs) Who do you think you are? And so... So this is for the Christian, and, and we've we've done this before, and we, we don't have to do the deepest dive, but I, I don't know. Or we can. This is our podcast, right? We'll do whatever we want. We do what we want. So We just did a 39-minute intro. 39-minute so. <laughs> intro, but... Uh, oh, that was just the intro? <laughs> that was just Man, the intro. I got a meeting uh, in 35 minutes, guys. Well, we got to speak Maybe they'll be part one and two. We okay. don't know. <laughs> or, or maybe that meeting's just going to have to join us. We'll talk to him or her about their identity. <laughs> Victoria, you need to come down to the podcast uh, booth. To the podcast. We'll talk about identity. So what you guys get canceled? Dude, uh, the other day she said in church, merge. I I welcome everyone to merge. And she said, or merge, yeah. as you Americans say it. But it's merge. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1, this is the I, – I would challenge anybody, if you're tired of us being dorks in your ears, if you were to just take your Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, and you were to circle everything that God says about you or every gift that he gives to you for being a Christian, it could be life-changing if you choose to believe it. Mm. So in the ESV, it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, 
And the very first thing he says that everyone struggles with to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the very first thing about our identity is are you a saint or are you not a saint? Now we can break it down here. Most people come from a background that a saint is someone that's done something really spectacular and then died and been dead for 100 years, maybe performed a miracle. But Paul wrote this letter to living people who were jacked up people, who were not perfect people, right, who had chosen to believe in Jesus Christ, had received salvation by faith, who had received the Holy Spirit, and now we're in process. That sounds a whole lot like me. Hmm. That sounds like a whole lot like Christians, people that call the Tabernacle Church their church home, whether they're members or not, whether they've been a Christian for a minute or a mile, right? He says, to the saints. So you start out right there. What's that feel like, boys, when we start with our identity? Ben, you're a saint. That's St. Benjamin to my right. That's St. Britain across the table. St. Bishop. That's a lot of church words. I'm just thinking of all our Catholic refugees at the Manistee campus right now that are just— Are they struggling? Oh, yeah. Are they struggling? <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, but... ben, ben, what's it feel like to be called a saint? It's uncomfortable, man, because we do. We grow up in that idea that—we grow up with that idea that exactly what you just said, that definition of a saint is somebody really is who's going to get into heaven because of their good works. Hmm. Oh, dang. Yeah. And— and, and to start right off, and then this is why it's so important, like like in fight clubs, tab women, Bible studies, this is where we have to start with where our identity. And multiple times, I've just keep bringing people back to this, Ephesians 1 and 2. You start right off. If you are a believer, your default setting, default setting as a believer in Christ, you are a saint. And, okay, wrestle with that. Go home. Think about that while you're drinking your coffee tomorrow morning. Uh, that's That's where you start. Yeah. And it's not something we're going to achieve. You're just there. God did it. It's for us. The next line, and then with that sainthood comes this, verse 2. Grace to you in peace from God our Father. That's what God's desire is for you. Grace and peace. Oh, dang, who couldn't use a little bit of that? Right. So I, 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 I had to look up the definition on my handy-dandy laptop right here uh, of saint. Um, and the very pers- or first thing it says is a person acknowledged as holy or virtuous and typically regarded as being in heaven after death. Mm. Now, how do we define that? Well, in Christ, you're holy, not because of anything you've done. So if you're sitting here driving to work right now and you're like, well, you know, maybe the guys on staff are are saints or, you know, maybe my grandma's a saint or maybe, you know, no, it says because the gospel teaches that you're made holy by the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy means set apart. It doesn't mean perfect, but it means you are a spiritual being. You've been made alive in Christ. You're a new creation, according to Galatians 5.17. So you're so if this is the definition of saying a person acknowledges being holy, I'm holy because of Jesus or virtuous. So many of us don't feel virtuous. No, we know what's in our hearts. We know what's in our hearts. But why am I virtuous or why am I righteous? According to the book of Romans, his righteousness is now mine. Not because of anything I've done, but because I've received him. Mm. It is by grace you are saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. And then it says, and typically regarded as being in heaven after death. We say, I'm not in heaven yet. Now, that's a worldly definition, 
but I'm guaranteed mm. eternal life with God for, you know, for God so loved the world that whosoever, right, mm-hmm. believed in him will have eternal life. Yeah. John three sixteen, right. eternal life. And so, so you're a saint, whether you like it or not. Yeah. If you're a believer, and this is the difference between the gospel of Jesus and the gospel of good works. And the gospel of good works says, if you work really hard and you're really holy like your grandma and you've never swore and, and you read your Bible every day, then eventually you're going to make sainthood. But and, and that's where our identity gets messed up as Christians. Man, I just don't feel very holy. Well, I don't feel like a saint. I don't feel like a saint. Well, <laughs> well, you look like one. <laughs> you are a saint, and this is what God wants for you. He is bestowing grace, and 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 He's bestowing peace upon you. And and it's I mean it's Romans three, right? It's all, none are justified on right. their own. No, but we're all right. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we're justified by His grace. And so it's like. I'm not a saint, no. but through Christ I am. Yes. And I think that's that whole identity piece is who, what do you identify with in your identity with Christ? Because if I'm constantly taking what God says about me and then running it through the filter of what has Britain done today, I won't, I'll have a really hard time identifying as those things. And hopefully as time goes, it gets a little bit easier and I'm continuing in this process of looking more and more like Jesus. But what I have to understand is that when I surrender my life to Jesus by grace through faith, now I am justified. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see Britain and all his rags. No, he sees Christ. Right. That's not, it's uh, Christ has stepped in the middle and said, listen, I've, this is, that's who, that's my identity now Ooh, in God's good. eyes. That's good. God sees Christ. He doesn't see Britain. And so when I have to when I look at these breakdowns of the things God says about me, he's essentially talking about the Jesus in me. Hmm. Because Britain isn't those things. Britain is a wicked sinner. Yes. Until I met Jesus. So and essentially now he dwells within me. So essentially you're saying if if you know when God looks at me, he sees Christ. If you deny that you're a saint, right? If you deny that you're a saint, you either haven't trusted Christ and therefore not a Christian, or you don't believe Jesus is worthy of sainthood. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, there's like St. Stephen, St. Michael, St. Peter, St. Peter, don't you call me, right? (laughs) I mean, we, all these also rans, you know, these, these members of his posse, but who would be the ultimate saint would be Jesus. Right. So if when God looks at me, as a child of God, and he sees Jesus. To say I'm not a saint is to say that somehow Jesus wasn't worthy of sainthood. Yeah, right. And what we're not saying here is that that we don't work on sin, that we don't confess sin, that we don't fight right. the sin in our lives. That could be an that is a whole another series of podcasts. But being able to start off is I don't have to get my life all together before I come to Christ That's and good. receive all of these things that just in Ephesians the first few verses that he says about who I am, and this becomes my new default and setting. Immediate. And it's immediate. When and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and repent in my heart, boom, it's yes. immediate. I am now qualified as a saint. It's not a prayer I pray. It's not once I've served so many times, but it's I've confessed, I've repented, and now I'm going to go live accordingly. Right. And honestly, when we <laughs> – my experience, when I can actually come back and I can look at what we're going to continue to break down here – when I when I start there and that's my new default sitting, I'll be honest. It's a lot, it's a little bit easier to deal with the sin that I know I have in my life because like no, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I can let go of that. I need to let that go because this is the new creation that 
God's trying to get me there. I'm going to keep trying to smuggle a little bit of Ben in here. Yeah. But God's saying, no, I've, I've, I've made you this way. This is who you are. I've prepared a place for you. Has that just came through intimacy? Or is that came through life experience or because there's a ton of people that, that it, you know, it takes, I mean, it takes time, a long time to get to that place where it's constantly, oh, wait a second, that isn't who I am. Right. And now I'm not only, now I kind of, okay, now I kind of have a firmer understanding of my identity. So when I slip out of that identity that Christ has given me, now I'm able to identify that's not who God created me to be. That's not who I am. For you, what does that process look like? You don't have to give me like the 45-minute version. We'll do your change life story someday. But what have been some practical pieces along the way that help you kind of continue bringing yourself back to kind of zero of this is who God created me to be? Uh, A lot of it depends on who I hang around with, I'll be honest. Uh, It depends on what I give my attention to. And uh, it depends on the voices that I let go in my head. Mm. Uh, the longer I've been in this fight, the more I realize there are two voices in there. One of them is old Ben. He's, he's still in there. Um, and he's got all sorts of plans and he's devious. Um, but then there's the new creation, the Ben that God desired. And there's almost a war between those. Um, and maybe this just means I've got some psychological issues that need to be worked out no, with medication. Fully, I don't know. No. Yeah, okay. Fully identifying so, with everything you yeah, just said. So yeah. there there's this battle that's going on and um when I come back and I have to read this, mm. that centers me. Yeah. When I have a phone call with Foster and we're talking about something, he's like, Hey bro, how you doing? Tell me how you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and ooh, that's good, man. <laughs> Yeah, and and then and then Freaking he's gonna and then he's gonna remind me. So I've got I've got I've got an older mentor who's with more experience in my life who's talking to me and reminding me. Um, I've got you know guys I've sat with around tables Fight Club and they've been walking with Jesus longer than I have, and they'll still come back to you know the works and the gospel of good works and we we smuggle that stuff in and it's a lie mm. if somehow that that seed gets planted in our lie and for me being able to be detached from it go hey wait let's come back to let's start right back to square one who does god say you are let's go to ephesians one again let's read that um and there's there's power in that that so sounds like good. a plan that's a good plan so look at verse three so we're saints and ben brought out grace and peace and then three there's an important tense here in the English. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So every spiritual blessing is yours. And he's going to list some of those through the rest of this chapter. So to the saints, there's there's peace available, there's grace available uh, uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, Blessed. And the key part about blessed is that's past tense. Mm. It's a done deal. And it's not just a few blessings. Every spiritual blessing that is available, if there's no wasted words in Scripture, every spiritual blessing that is available is already ours in the heavenly places. In the I don't even realm. know what to do with that. Right. Because like, you're like... All, I, like, Wait, I don't need anything. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think I need stuff, but I don't really need stuff. Right. When I start focusing on the tangible world and the things I have or don't have or, the, you know, the things that make me feel, you know, I mean, I've been learning this right hardcore right now from my wife, just from her journey 
is is she's she's been talking about you know because I've I've always heard you know you're never wrong for how you feel, but you can change what you're thinking about, and our feelings typically follow. Well, they always follow our thoughts. Yeah. So our thoughts just are leading our feelings like a dog on a leash. And my feelings can be dumpy. They can be overly excited. They can be this way. They can, and, and many of those center around identity. Mm-hmm. And so when my feelings are just following my thoughts, what am I thinking about? And if I start thinking about, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Wait a second. I can edit my thoughts. Yeah. Edit my what I'm thinking about. And if I edit what I'm thinking about to say, wait a second, I have everything I need in Christ, because according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms is already, I've already been blessed with, past yeah. tense, done deal. Well, it's like that guy I sent you that I never thought I'd quote on this podcast, but uh, where he says, uh, he's talking about his struggle with addiction, but he says, I realized early I couldn't feel my way into right thinking, but I could think my way into right feeling. And just that idea. Say, bro, you dropped his wisdoms too fast. Say that again and say it dramatic. <laughs> he said, I can't feel or I can think my way into right feeling, but I can't feel my way into right thinking. Hmm. And he was talking about his journey with addiction, his journey yeah. with identity. And uh, and he went on to talk about uh, another phrase that he says that he said, what I realized is the whole time what I was chasing wasn't about getting somewhere. It was about getting away from somewhere. Mm. Oh, yeah. And so this whole piece of identity is this identity that I'm chasing. It's not that I'm actually chasing to be something in the future. It's that I just don't want to be who I was before. Ooh. Yep. Is wow. what I'm kind of seeing. And, and this is coming. <laughs> yeah, bro, you have to say his, name, say his name. But that but guy, man. that comedian's on a journey. He is. And He's cool on the see. journey. It's yeah. cool to see. But, uh, but I think that that's a huge piece that cr- what Christians really struggle with is this idea of the reason I struggle so much with finding identity in Christ is because I do I really ideally don't want my identity in Christ. I just don't want to be who I used to be. Oh, that's hard. And so I'm using Christ as my vice to get away from where I used to be. Tim's eye, or Tim, Ben's eyes are <laughs> wide open like saucers right now. And I think that that's a... I don't know. That's just a thought. I don't know. That might be no, wrong. No, that I would ben, say you need that. A moment. I might. I, I got to process that, and I might need to go repent of some things right now. Uh, but, but yeah, you're I, not the only one. No, I, just, I can relate to that. Yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I got time. melted by a comedian in a podcast. So yeah. I was crying while I was listening to this. Yeah, he's talking to me. He's talking, how does he know? I this was going to be funny. Is my room bugged? <laughs> no. It, uh, yeah, the whole addiction piece, and, and and I can relate to that. Is it's. It's not chasing after. It's just a, I've got it. I need (laughs) the desire to get away from is so strong. Anything that's going to help remove that. Yeah. I'm willing to go there. Just, just stop it. I just want it to stop. And I mean, the, the old AA adage is it's just unable to deal with life on life's terms. Mm. Um, and that's a whole nother, but how uh, that's often whole nother is podcast, that but. The, the reason I think that our identity shifts so much is because, well, this one didn't work, so I'll try this one. Well, this one didn't work. As long as it's not that, I'll try this one. Yeah. And we're just constantly, and what it boils down to is it's probably past trauma, past pain, past fear. Yeah. Something that has happened to my past self that now I just know I don't want to go back there. Nope. And so I'm willing to identify with whatever it takes for me not to be that and I think that that was, I mean, dude, that's like 90% of my journey, right? Why was I a football player? Because I didn't want to be a hurt little boy. 
I yep. wanted to be a tough football player now. Mm. Yeah. And then as soon as I lost that, it was like, well, I'm not a football player, so I need to be a strong man in a relationship, right? And as soon as that was stripped away, it was like, well, I might as well not live anymore. That was literally the process yeah. of events. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then, I mean, in God and his sovereignty, was like, I think I have a better idea. Come try this. And then it's like, Whoa. but then all of a sudden it's like, I mean, there's still ebbs and flows to that. It wasn't like a cure-all. I still struggled no. with all those things. Um, but I, I that that was something that really spoke to me when, in the process of trying to find my identity. It wasn't that I was trying to find anything. It's that I was just trying not to be something I used to be. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I, I can very much relate to that. And I think this is why, man, if, if you're going to put a bookmark in your Bible, um, there's a lot of great places. But if you're struggling with identity, if you keep falling back into... Uh, old vices, old habits. Uh, there's so much of that that I have found comes from forgetting who God created me to do. You all right over there, Britton? Excuse me. It's yeah, all good, it's, man. <laughs> he's over there. Yeah. Uh, no, no, this it, is a place to bookmark for sure. Yeah. And, and, and being able to, this is like when you start slipping, uh, come back to Ephesians 1, and we're going to keep going here. Uh, but I, like in, in my Bible, I have got so many of these. Uh, so many of these words underlined, highlighted, circled, uh, so that I can just simply look at what God says. Uh, so let's keep going in that. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've got every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in the spirit realm, um, which we believe exists. So so there's, there's you know, I'm, I'm just messing around on this little lap, laptop. There's so many articles that have been written about this. So you can come up with these statements. You know, Christ is the the great I am, right? You know, we even sing a song about that. But there's some I am statements that have to do with identity. And so the very first one is I am a saint. I am a saint. So the second state statement is I am blessed. I am blessed. And then we get down here to um, verse four. It says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless. So now we can say, I am chosen. Before God made the world, I'm chosen. And I'm sure we all have our playground stories about either not being chosen or being chosen, right? There's something about that. I mean, I've preached this all over the world, literally. And when I start talking about, you know, I'll share an old story. I'm not going to share it again because I've shared it so many times at the tab. But a moment that changed my life on a playground when I hadn't been chosen, hadn't been chosen, hadn't been chosen. And then one day... When it was my game, uh, the coolest kid in school chose V. And I went from nobody to somebody in that school. How much more in Christ to think about that you've been chosen? How many people that do we know, do we love, do we care about that call the church our church home and they struggle with, I wasn't chosen. Mm. He didn't choose me. She didn't choose me. They didn't choose me. I, I didn't get the job. I didn't make the team. I've, I felt rejected by the spouse, you know, whatever. Being chosen is not just Dr. Phil stuff. It's hard stuff. And so when you read those words that he has chosen you, mm. you I mean, we like to think that we chose him. But he's chosen us before the foundation of the world. We're not going to go down that bunny trail. Don't even look at me right now, right? Because God's a for real God, and I believe in free will and in predestination at the same time. But That's how what's you know it we've feel? been doing this for a while when you just saw my eyes. You saw your eyes like, no, we're do. saving that one later. Yeah. What's it feel like to be chosen? Yeah. 
I know that was a struggle I had because I had like for playground football, I played the most worthless position humanly possible. But it was like, I promise I'm good at this, guys. Like, but nobody <laughs> chose me. So, yeah. But I always got chosen for seconds at lunch. So praise God for that. But that was a little comic relief that I felt needed because I think I have some trauma when you talk about being chosen. So, being uh, chosen. Oh, yeah. whoa. Yeah. So that's why we're dancing around the issue. Yeah. No, no, I think there's just that whole piece. I mean, you come from. A broken home, you come mm. from a really, I mean, just the whole thing, you break it down, you can go listen to my change life story. And it's mm-hmm. just this, my whole life has now been pointed to this idea of I will do whatever it takes to be chosen. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, calm down, bro. Yeah. He already chose you and you yeah. didn't do anything. And so that was DEFCON 4. So, yeah. Well, even <laughs> yeah. think about the fact that you just got engaged. Yeah. And you chose her, but she could have said no. Oh, dude, that was terrifying too. Just tell, based, just, yeah, why? Just based off my whole story, right? Is there's been that moment where it was like, I think I showed this on the podcast. I've been engaged before, mm-hmm. right? And it was doesn't even hold a candle to the woman that hope is to the relationship that God has blessed us with. I mean, not even close. But there was this idea of I've heard this. I've been chosen before. Mm-hmm. But then there was this going into this moment. There's that slow. There's that fear that comes. That's like. Is this going to be like the last one? Hmm. But then God, in His kindness and in His sovereignty, man, it was one of the coolest things. She, uh, she actually read this part of Ephesians to me while we were driving oh, there, and because uh, I, I wanted that was a part of the proposal. But she read this to me, and it was just this subtle reminder that was like, I've got better ideas, and I'm just like, oh, I mean, I'm trying not to cry, but just in the midst of that, just understanding. Let the tears flow. <laughs> It's what the but listeners was, like. We're here for you, my friend. Yeah, but there was a ton of fear <laughs> yeah. in that idea of am yeah. I good enough? Am I? And it was like, finally, I had come in contact with somebody that was surrendered to the same spirit as I am. Mm. And it wasn't any, and this is the best part about hope, because it, by the world standards, that woman is insane. Yeah, you're, you're marrying up, bro. Oh, 100%, <laughs> right? Outkick my coverage, beyond my belief. Loves Jesus beautiful athletic yes. beats me at everything we do whenever it's cards not athletically so but uh but then there's this idea that i realized is she's not in love with britain she's in love with the christ in britain hmm. and that was a huge like oh and then it put the also the thing of like man i'm going to safeguard that i'm going to do everything i can to continue fostering and growing that because that's the only thing i have to offer anybody yeah and so that was really cool to see. So what's up, Hope? Love you. <laughs> hey, Hope. You're awesome. Uh, th- thank, thank you for choosing Britain because you yeah. definitely light up his life. I needed it. Yeah. Um, but, and I'll, I'll just throw this out there because I bet you there's a lot more people who uh, look like they're really cool cats and are very confident that are listening to this that uh, spend most of their lives feeling like they don't fit. They yeah. don't belong. Um, they feel like outsiders. And I, I think that's really important for churches to remember, for other Christians to remember of, man, you, 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 when you become a Christian, when you come, become a believer, when you've confessed that sin, Jesus covered that, it's all done, you're part of the tribe. You have a group, you fit, you belong. Um, you, you've been chosen. <laughs> God has picked you for his team. And there's so much of the stuff we chase after, oh, even as men, mm. that it's because we don't feel chosen. Yeah. Like, we just want to feel chosen. We just want to be picked. We want to feel like we're the man of the room. And, uh, I mean, well, let's just go deep dive. Where does addiction to porn come from? Right. I just need to feel chosen. Yeah. 
And yeah, man, that's a, that's a slippery slope. And yeah. coming back to that, yeah, you're chosen. God wants you on his team so badly. And I think so that's, badly. I think that's why we try to take control of identity is because I want to choose who I am because I can control it. Right. And there's this, that whole piece of, I want to be able to, that image management will be came back to earlier. So I want to control yeah. who I am. So I'm going to choose what my identity is. I'm going to choose the way people see me. I'm not going to give them another option to get to know the real me. And there's a vulnerability oh. in surrendering identity. Oh, dang. So letting people know who we really are. Yeah. And that's, I mean, the, <laughs> this is like the deep dive therapy session of Britton Bishop before. Oh, and Ben Brown. But <laughs> that, <'cause I'm laughs> not thinking, me. I've got it all together. Yeah. John does. <laughs> but I'm thinking of like when I first showed up here and it was like, man, these guys are legit. I've got to put it on. You know, no, like, just understanding. Yeah, I know it's and funny now, now. You've been here for a while. And you're just like, <laughs> these what guys are a bunch of jokers. You? You know, but, <laughs> but you show up and you're like, man, like, I've got, I want to make sure that over this next six months, they still want me here. Mm, yeah. Right. And now I'm eating the crow of like, yeah, I should have said no. Like, so, but all, not, not to the tabernacle, to all the tasks that I said yes to along the way. And right. it's like, why am I taking cans to Meyer? Like this is, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is in my job, but no, that's, I love doing all of it for the glory of God. Right. <laughs> so struggling. Struggling. <laughs> but, um, just that whole piece of even coming into church culture, right? To bring it back to Christians, it was yeah. like, man, like I just want to belong. I want to make sure they're confident in choosing me. Yeah. So I'm going to do everything in my control to affirm their choice rather than trusting, right? No, we said on the phone, seems good to us and our spirit, and it seems good to you that we should do this. And it's like, why wasn't that enough? I'm just right? thinking of every one-on-one meeting I've had to have with John where he's just like, bro, bro. You're doing a good job. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We're not going to send you back. Uh, I, like, I just want to fit on the so, team, John. So, so what you're touching on, and this is why, and, and, and we could take as long as we want with this, is I'm a saint. I'm blessed. Um, I am chosen. And the fear that you're speaking to both of you is, okay, that's cool that I got chosen. But, you know, you know, I've heard this is, you know, this, this whole, you can give your life to Jesus really easy. So it's easy to get chosen. But it's the fear that I'll be unchosen, hmm. that I'll be rejected. Yeah. Uh, so even even in the choosing, there's always this nagging fear of when's the shoe going to drop? When yes. am I going to be ditched? When am, and if you've ever been abandoned, if you're a child of divorce, if you've ever been through a divorce yourself, if you've ever been through a breakup or had friends betray you or reject you or you've been fired more than <laughs> once, there's always this nagging fear. It can be almost like a PTSD. Yeah. But that's not what we're talking about because it says he chose us before the world began. Yeah. And then here's the next thing. And this was mind-blowing for me, that we should be holy and blameless. We'll get to blameless in a second because we got to break these down word by word. We usually don't preach this way on a Sunday. That's no. what I love about the podcast, so we yeah. can take it slow. Because, you know, we always say, no, we're wasting words in Scripture, and then, like, we're in Second Samuel right now, and then I'm going to go ahead and summarize three chapters. Right. That's not what I meant. But right here it says that... We should be holy. We have this idea. In fact, Webster's Dictionary defines holy as religious or morally good, exalted or worthy of complete devotion as one perfect in goodness and righteousness. So when I read that definition, that I am religious or morally good, I'm exalted, I'm worthy of complete devotion as one perfect, I go, well, that's not true because I'm not holy, except for the fact that Merriam-Webster doesn't get to decide how holy is translated in the Bible. That's not what it means in, in, 
in the scriptures. Right. What holy means in the scripture means set apart for a purpose. So we start to put it together. I'm a saint. I am blessed. I am chosen. When that fear of rejection comes in, well, how long is that choosing going to last? Then it says, I am holy. He's not going to, one of the reasons he's not going to ditch us, besides the fact that he's faithful and it's about Christ and not about me, is he's got a purpose. He set me apart. You know, when you set something apart, remember back in the day when you had church clothes? I had church clothes. Yeah, for the Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Mine, I had church clothes. But... <laughs> yeah, you're wearing your church clothes. But growing up in the Christian ghetto, yeah. I had church clothes as a little kid, and those church clothes were only for church. And my favorite church clothes were these little white denim jeans that had a matching white denim jacket. And then I, my mom put me in a red shirt underneath that. And those were set apart. Are you tracking? I want you yeah. to bring it back. I'm not bringing that back, man. <laughs> but I remember getting busted because after church, parents talking too long, I'm sliding down a grassy hill oh. in the white pants with the white jacket, and soon they're covered in green. So my holy set apart was now foul, except that's not what holy means. Right. Holy means I'm set apart for a reason. I don't know what you guys think about that. I am Holy. I am holy. Uh, just being able to, that's, I think that is like trying to wrap our heads around, I am a saint. And now this isn't just, oh, build everybody up, you know, give you a shot in the arm for the day, and we're going to just talk about feeling good about ourselves. But th- this is what God's word says about who we are. And so we're, we believe that this is truth. And it's so important to come back to this. Um, you know, the idea of being set apart for a purpose, one of the probably the biggest struggles many of us have is we don't have a purpose in our life. Mm. Um, you know, soldiers coming back from, from being overseas in battle, one of the biggest struggles that a lot of them have is uh, suddenly I, I don't have a mission anymore and it, I need a mission. And one of the, for us to be able to get through our lives, like, well, why am I here? Well, you, you've been set apart for a purpose and we'll get to that. You know, God's saying, we're going to get to that. You, I'll, I'll, I'm going to teach you what my purpose is for your life, and we're going to walk through that together, and I'm going to give you some instruction. I'm going to put pressure on your heart for certain things. They're going to be different than Britain's pressure. They're going to be different than John's pressure. They're going to be different than that person's pressure. But I, I'm going to start to show you, and I'm going to start to reveal to you what that purpose is. But that's going to, be, that's going to happen over time. But just being able to start off default position is, yeah, you've been set apart for a purpose. Yeah, and I think the issue a lot of times for people is whenever they realize they're set apart for, um, if they don't like it, then they begin to struggle, right? Like we talk about all the time, um, if you struggle with feeling or hearing God's voice or uh, experiencing that identity or that purpose, go back to the last time you said no, right? So I think there's a humility piece that I don't get to choose what I was set apart for, but I get to trust that what God has set me apart for, there's nothing better for me to be doing. Yeah, I just texted John yesterday or last night, right? We were talking about a new show that he's watching and it's based in Texas and it's this high level high school football team. And it's like, man, like sometimes when I watch that, I'm like, man, I wish that's what I was doing. Just coaching high level football with athletes to choose from, like how much fun that would be. It'd be difficult. But and then it's like, but if I get mad at God because that's not what I was set apart for. Right. But instead, I'm doing what he's called me to, which I absolutely love. But there are those little moments and glimpses. But I think that a time when people fall away from what God is calling them to is because they don't like what it is. 
right? Because we really like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm starting to enjoy it the more I sit here and sit in it. Like, man, I like being a saint and blessed and chosen. What am I chosen for? What am I set up? Okay, now I'm set apart for something. All right, well, when I look at God's word, there are some things that are promised to me as being a chosen one set apart from, by God. Mm-hmm. And one of those is suffering with Christ. Oh, now we're going to bring it down to the... And then I instantly go to, well, that must not actually be my identity because suffering hurts. And God doesn't want to hurt me, which he doesn't. But there's promises in Romans that that suffering is producing something even greater in me. And so there's this whole piece is we really want to be chosen and set apart to be happy. And for what I want. (laughs) Yeah, right, 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 right. right. And so that's just kind of what I see whenever I hear those things is it's like, well, why do I struggle so much with those things? Because sometimes they don't look like what I want them to. Yeah. And it gets back to that self instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus and doing what he's called us to. But I don't know, JB. You're set apart for a purpose. And when I hear the word holy and I forget set apart for a purpose, or at least when I talk to guys, they'll come back and say, well, I don't feel very holy. And that's because of the next thing he says, you're holy and blameless. And blame, I mean, it's almost like, well, I believe the Holy Spirit kind of guessed that that's what you were going to argue about. Well, I'm not holy because I still feel guilty. And the word blameless in, in my notes here, right right here in my ESV study Bible, because it's a man's Bible, it's about four inches thick. <laughs> uh, it says, blamelessness expresses freedom from the guilt of trespass. Mm. Freedom from guilt. There's so many folks that just hang on to their guilt. It's like God's... God sent his son Jesus to die for our sin. His blood paid for it. He's the only sinless person, the only righteous sacrifice. He's paid for it. But I'm just going to go ahead and hang on to my guilt. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Sorry, that was harsh. Well, you know, sometimes (laughs) saints need to be told that. Why are you hanging on to guilt? He died for the guilt. And I get it. It's a process. But I'm sorry. I'm talking about me being an idiot when it's – I just can't let go of that, right? Mm -hmm. I mean I see that with my wife. I'll do something terrible and I'll hurt her feelings and I'm sorry. And I'm like, man, I'm really, really sorry. And then she's like, okay, I forgive you. And then five minutes later I'm like, man, I'm really, really, really sorry. And she goes, it's over. Okay, I forgive you, you know, and then the next day, are you sure we're good? And, and now she's like, well, now you're taking me off. We're going to fight again. Right? <laughs> right. You know, thank God that God's not that way. But right. but but we struggle with guilt. So many of us. And so that's an important word to hear that, man, you're blameless. You're forgiven. You're you, you've been set free of the guilt. John, you can be an idiot and hang on to it if you want to. You don't have to. He's already paid for it. Mm. Oh, you still want to carry it around? Okay. Have fun with that. It's like what Foster says is we have a really easy time being saved by grace, but we really struggle living by it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dang, that was a Foster statement. But yep. it's that that idea of as a Christian, how do I live by grace? How do I every day, right, renew my mind? And then a part of that renewing process is the grace, right? What happened yesterday is done, right? I've It's been forgiven. And when I confess, right, I've repented of those. And now I'm living by grace actively. Every choice I make, everything I do is with the goal to glorify God. And I'm going to try to live by grace the best I can. Yes. And it's like, but under, but I think understanding too, to combine two things there is just doing the best you can with the tools that you have. Yeah. And understanding that piece I too. I mean, hurt somebody's feelings by saying you're an idiot. But no, you didn't it, hurt anybody's it's feelings. idiotic to hang on to something that you don't have to hang on to that just drags you down. If that hurts your feelings, get over it. Uh, okay. Yeah. Probably a different church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get to take that heavy rock out of your backpack. Yeah. Ben, what about you and hanging on to guilt? 
You don't do that, do you? Because you're perfect. Uh, oh, yeah, we're not going to talk about me right now. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, no, no. Sorry. Can, Is that we, a little too close? No, no, no. We, it's no, your turn, John. No, we it, we do it. We we do it because yeah. it it honestly it, that stuff that happened that the, the the sin that we commit is like man, why do I keep going back to that? Mm-hmm. Why do I keep? I'm, I'm an idiot. Why, why do I keep going to man? I must not be holy and blameless anymore. At some point, God is going to have enough. At some point, God's going to go, you know, bro. Um, you know what? You're right about you. You're right about you. Yeah. I, I I chose poorly. Yeah. Um, you're off the team. Back to the rejection. Back yep. to all of that again. And 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 I even wonder if there's so much of that guilt. Maybe we grew up with it. Maybe it, like it's just been part of our lives for so long. That's become part of our identity. Mm-hmm. And. And, and so we, we just, we can't help but smuggle that in, in our backpack yeah. and we're carrying this around. It's like, yeah, I got this new identity and this is what Jesus says about me, but everybody knows what I'm carrying around in my backpack. And even as Americans, uh, we love, I mean, that's our national pastime is, is we're going to define people by their worst moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Especially that's, that's, nowadays. that's how we're going to label everybody. Right. And, and you're going to wear that scarlet letter forever. Y- yes. Yeah, all the way back to the Puritans. Oh yeah, you're you're never going to get away from it, and so the, this whole concept, and that's why I think it's so important to actually to spend some time studying this. Don't just listen to this podcast. Spend some time. Keep coming back to this. If you're a Christian, you need to keep coming back to this passage and and really let this marinate because we we will keep filling that backpack that we carry around with mm-hmm. all those old rocks of who we are and who we know we are, and that. That concept of being able to live out of grace, literally starting every new day with a fresh, clean whiteboard. God says, "Yeah, I know you screwed up yesterday." Mm. Um, he knows in our heart that we're sorry about it. We, we, the fact that it bothers us that we screwed up, the fact that we feel bad about that sin that I committed yesterday. Um, I, I think He recognizes that, and He's a God. I, I don't want to do that again, but I keep coming back to this. Mm-hmm. Okay, my child, today is a new day. Yeah, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah, and I think too, and I don't want to jump ahead, but uh, in this text, it talks about that grace is lavished on you, right? That's something that we've talked about um, later on, which we don't have to go into it. We will here in a second, but just that idea that like I can't do enough bad to be bigger than God's good, mm-hmm. and I think too, you is, can't outsin His grace. Yeah, and I think too is what am I going to believe today? Because every day, as a Christian, as somebody that's trying to find identity in Christ, I have two options when I wake up: it's I'm gonna, am I going to believe the lie or am I going to believe the truth? Because that's essentially what it boils down to is there's a lie being told to me that is what the, what the world says or simply said, this is what Satan has to say about my lifestyle, the way that I'm living, and the circumstances at which I exist in. Or there's truth that God says. Hmm. And am I going to believe the lie or am I going to believe the truth? Am I going to allow the lie to begin to compound and re- redefine my identity that you do suck? You are the worst, right? You are a sinner. You don't deserve this. She shouldn't be with you. Right? You break all that down. Or is it, no, you are chosen. Hmm. You are a saint. You are blameless. Why? Christ. You know, you know, there was, there was uh, just to make it practical and not just about, you know, yeah. three generations of dudes sitting in a dungeon. I'm, I'm thinking about, there were two testimonies um, that were shared at Fields of Faith. Yeah. Uh, there was a girl from Kingsley, I believe, um, whose name was Coral. Mm-hmm. And there was a young gentleman from Manistee named Kai. And um, they both very bravely stood up in front of 300 of their peers and shared very 
authentically what God had been doing in their life. There was a great band there that night. If you missed the Fields of Faith, there was a pretty good speaker there too. He, he shouldn't was, have wore a hat. Yeah, he was wearing a hat, but that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. But essentially, essentially, both of them shared what their lives were like when they were believing lies mm-hmm. and the effect that it had on them. You know, that girl sharing, it, it, it was crushing her identity, you know, Coral was sharing, sharing this, you know, I was believing what the world said, and this is where it got me, and it wasn't good. And the same thing with Kai. He was like, man, I was believing what the world said, and there was there was severe pain there. I'm not going to share it on the air, so I'm right. going to share. But both of them then essentially, even though they didn't use these words, when I started believing the truth, yeah. and now I'm on a road to believing the truth about what God says about me. That's what was transformative. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like neither one of them had, had n- never heard about God b- b- before that. You know, they're both kind of raised in the church, both kind of had enough kind of Christian background yeah. and involved with FCA and involved with Foundry and this and that, but they were believing lies still. Mm-hmm. So you could be in the church and believe the lie. Oh, yeah. But when you start believing the truth, man, I saw too, and shout out to both of them and their yeah. families. That mean you can build a ministry around students like that, hundred percent. You know, yeah, because they're because they're believing the truth about what God says, hundred percent. And I think too to speak to that is it it was firmly put on display by God that what when you surrender to His truth, what He's going to do with it, yeah, what He'll do with that identity. Because as the below average speaker that got up there, there was a moment where was like I don't need to say anything. People heard what God can do. And then by the word of two high school students' testimonies that just said, hey, this is how I used to be, this is how I met him, and this is what has changed. Yeah. All right, who wants to believe in that? For 100 people stood up before I said a word. Mm-hmm. I'd been working on that for weeks, right? <laughs> no, probably not weeks, but I've been working on that for yeah. a while. Yeah. But a word of somebody's testimony that was, this was the lie I believed, this is the truth of what God said, this is how surrendering to that truth changed my life. And then I love that, the ultimate question that Kai asked at the end of his, and I think Coral would have if she'd have been the last one. I think they worked this out together, but it was essentially, who wants to be in for that? Yeah. And over a hundred people stood up, and it's who like, who wants that identity? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, sick. Let's do it. And I'm, and as the student pastor, right, I'm sitting over there. I'm like, we are gonna take over the world. <laughs> yeah, take over the world. <laughs> so, well, but in uh, Ephesians, the hits just keep on coming yeah. because. Um, because right at this point, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm set apart for a purpose. I'm blameless. I'm free of all this guilt. And then shout out to Josh Crawford. <laughs> all right. Then it says, my favorite Calvinist, it says uh, that in love, in love, he predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So it's saying that we're predestined. To be adopted. Now, I put those two together. Predestined, God, whom God foreknew, he predestined. And who he predestined, he foreknew. And again, we can fight about pre, you know, free will versus you know, predestination or determinism. I think it's both, and that's a different podcast. But the fact that before the foundations of the world, he knew that he was going to choose me and that he was not only going to just choose me, he was going to adopt me. You can choose me to work for you. We chose you, Britain, to work at this church. We chose you to join our team. We chose to welcome you in. And that's a good thing, I think, or I hope for you. It's been for us. But in Christ, it's more that you're just chosen to be on his team or you're just chosen to be a servant in his house. 
He chose to adopt you. Mm-hmm. Out of all the kids up on the shelf, he said, I want her. I want him. I want these twins. Yeah. And being adopted, I haven't been adopted. Well, I've been adopted by Jesus. That's the only adopted I've right. ever been. But that's a big deal because now that means I'm in the family. Yeah. There's implications from ad- for adoption. That means, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, this eternal three in one has welcomed me into their family. Yeah. They've welcomed me not just into their community. We talk about the community that is Trinity and all these theological mumbo jumbo. But if that is a perfect family, because it says God the Father and God the Son, and I'm adopted, that means God's my father. That means Christ is my brother. I'm in the fa- – oh, do I do I get a room? Right. Am I in a bunk room with Ben and Britton? Yeah. Well, you know, actually, I, you, know? I, you know, Scripture does say – Jesus, Jesus actually says his words. I'm going to pre- prepare a place for you. I'm going to prepare yeah. a like, place, place for I'm you. Getting yeah. your bedroom ready, bro. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I got a room. I haven't been adopted, but I've had a step parent. Yeah, and I remember when my mom got remarried and we moved in with Jerry Moore, who hopefully you guys meet. Well, both of you will meet this summer. Um, incredible dude, loved us. Incre- awesome mustache. But I remember the moment. Awesome I'm mustache. You, Tom Selleck level. Like, dude Sam was awesome. Elliott level, I, though? Oh, yeah. yeah, Sam Elliott. But I remember we showed up because we moved out to his house, right? And it was it was scary, yeah. right? Because my mom's last name isn't the same as ours anymore. There's only two of us bishops around here now. Like, what's this going to be like? New place, new family, right? And, new rules, uh, new expectations. Yeah. And yeah. I remember we showed up and we both had a 22. And he got us a deer rifle, and he got us shotguns and bows. And it was just idea, this this huge idea. And this, I tell all the story to say this. He said, if you're going to be a part of our family, this is what it's going to look like. And he said, welcome home, boys. And he began to teach us what it looked like to be a part of the family. That's right? he, powerful he, right there, man. Yeah, There's a sermon said, in that. And so he showed us how to hunt. He showed us how to fish. He loved us. He came to every game. And I know there's a ton of people out there that have trauma with step-parents and going and being under a new roof with new authority. But God bless me with the freaking coolest stepdad ever, right? And, uh, and I, I'm... I got really cool step parents. You guys all met Miss Kelly, yes, who incredible woman of God. My dad's awesome. My mom's awesome. I, I'm blessed from that standpoint. But I remember that idea that it was like, dang, like we don't just live here. Like we're a part of the family. Yeah, because I went to his parents for. Bir- I remember my first birthday. My grandma Marcy always cooks a meal for whoever's birthday it is, and they get to choose. And as the step grandkid, everybody in the family showed up on January 10th, and we had stuffed shells. And it was like, dang, I'm not just like default. Like I'm a part of this family. And that was when I call. I used to call him Mr. and Mrs. Moore. And I remember one day my grandpa was like, hey, it's, it's just grandpa. And I was like, oh, sick. <laughs> and so, and then it's just grandma. And then there's like this, and now I've like a, got a family pride and I don't even know why. I never, yeah. you know, but it's like, oh, I'm a part of this family. Who are these people that have welcomed? Yeah. Like, what's their angle? What do they want? Like, right. like you can have all that stuff yeah. going on. We can do the same thing with God. Yeah. And it's like, no, I've got a room for you. You're adopted. You're in the family now. And this is what it looks like. And, and then there's going to be a process yep. of being part of the family. Yeah, there's expectation. There's, there's a way we're going to carry ourselves. Yeah. There's, and, and there's, that's a... There's a lot of uh, stuff that we could go down that yeah. bunny trail. That was trail. just a cool picture yeah. for me. This is of how it looked like to be adopted, oh. and how much more God wants me to be a part of His that's family. That's a brilliant yeah. picture of that man.
Brilliant what's, picture. What's next? In well, the list? sorry, man. We 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 gotta we gotta break down adopted just a little bit because yeah. I kind of got left out of the feels there. No, you're good. I mean, I love that. <laughs> but if you start thinking about being adopted and some of the implications, it's again it plays back to the you were wanted. Mm-hmm. Now you also carry a name. Now your name didn't change. That was right. human adoption. Yeah. But in Christ, now I carry a name. Yeah. You know, a child that has been adopted, that means that not just that they were wanted, but now they've been given a family. Mm-hmm. And so I don't mean that as a as a guilt thing, but growing up a pastor's kid, uh, I was very aware all the time in the small town that I lived in in northern Indiana that I bore my father's name. Mm-hmm. And even this day, you know, someone will, I'll be someplace out of state or out of town and they'll be like, are you related to uh, uh, Jim Vermilia or Jim and Jeanette Vermilia, you know, or one of my brothers or one of my sisters, you know, if they knew the name and, I, you know, suddenly you're aware it's like, yeah, those are my people. And so being adopted, there's a permanence to it. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a weight to it. It's like, I might get tears. He saw fit to put his last name on me, mm. on us. You bear the name now, you yeah. know, for those of us that have worn a jersey when you had your name on the back, it's Christ's name. It's like, oh yeah. man, I'm adopted and, yeah. you know, I'm part of this legacy and yeah, I don't, I don't know. So sorry, I had to go there just for a second, no, but being a part laughing. of the family. I was laughing over here because even when I go travel now and I say I'm a part of the tabernacle, it instantly goes, oh, John Vermillion. I'm like, yeah, and then it's like, oh, you know, Jim Vermeer? And it's like, yeah, no, 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 it's like, no, no, no. Do they own this whole north, no, north, no. northern version of this country? No. He's only been up here twice. But uh, sorry, I'm talking about my brother. Yeah, it's the so closer he, I get to Indiana is when it gets crazy. Yeah, that's that's where there's a lot of them, right? But then it says in verse 7, it says, in him we have... Sorry, do we talk enough about predestined? Josh Crawford, if we didn't speak enough about that, I'd like you to email us at wherever Britain tells us to in the show notes. But um, you just it. just that it was his plan. Yep. It was his plan, that he's a sovereign, eternal God. You know. Then he says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And those go together as well. So not only are we holy and blameless, predestined and adopted— but we're also redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed is this idea, I think, that he bought me back. That it wasn't a free adoption. You see how this is building? Right. He didn't go down to the rescue shelter and say, I'll take the mutt that no one else wants. <laughs> this is important. This is I've never thought about these terms before and said I'm sitting down here in the dungeon inspired by Britain and Ben Brown's beard. There's a lot of bees in that statement. But think about this. When it says you're redeemed, it, it kind of plays off this idea that when God redeemed his people from being slaves in Egypt, it would, you know, when you redeemed a slave, it's like you paid what they owed, you paid what they were worth, you purchased them, you bought them, right? So when it says that we're redeemed, I was not adopted from the rescue shelter that no one else want. He paid full price. Everything I owed everything I will owe, the value, the worth, and then some. I am redeemed. I've been bought. Yeah. There's value to that. And then in that, I'm forgiven. Hmm. So he paid the price, and then he forgave me for everything I've ever done, 
I'm getting the chills. I need to shut up. Go. <laughs> no, I love it, Ben. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm. My head's just bouncing right now. Um, I, I guess I'm thinking about there are certain things I will pay a price for. Uh, when I bought my truck, there was a certain level, a certain price I was willing to pay for that truck. Um, you know, when it comes to my kids. You, I, I haven't been put in a position where I've had to decide, you know, how much is this like like a medical procedure or something going to cost? You know, I haven't had to weigh that. But I have to admit, there's probably a point where it's like, I don't know how we're going to make this happen. Mm. A level of hopelessness. But I would still do. If it was like life threatening, it'd be like, no, I don't know how this is going to happen, but I'm willing to take on, take that on. That's and that's my sinful nature with one of my kids who they can drive me nuts at times. I love them, but this idea of of God the Father who is so perfect, who's so holy, and 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 the price that He's willing to pay for me, it's like I, I'm not sure I can wrap my head around that love, mm. and. A father that loves like that. Yeah. You know, because I, I think too, for me, like when I think about that, it's like in my human brain, it's like, well, my parents have to love me because it's their fault I'm here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like nobody asked to be born. But then there's this idea that it's like, no. And this goes back to what we were talking about, but down to this, like, he chose me, loved me. And it's his sovereignty. He knew what it was going to take to get me back to him. And he still went through all of that. And yet I still question, do you really love me? Right? But I don't know. That's just where my head goes. It's like, dang, like all this stuff that breaks down, like none of this was like a God had a choice to make, you know, like he in his like he knew the process. He he knew the process that was gonna unfold and it was like, dang. Like he deemed me worthy of that process. Hmm. So so you know, it's like why would he go through all of this? Hmm. Why would he go through all of that? And I, that question needs to hang there. I, yeah. Like that he knew, like even when he created the world and everything, all this is going to transplant. This is what is going to have to happen. But I, th- I think it just comes back to the idea of of trying to trying to show us, like, no, this, I love you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that was weird to say with three guys sitting in a room, right? Like the testosterone game we've got going down here. That. Yeah, <laughs> but that idea of like him saying. I love you. It's like, yeah, but you don't know. I love you. Yeah. you I, and that love that we're talking about in God's love, we can't even wrap our heads around it. Yeah. We, we can't even, we can't even get there. Um, the fact that we even get in com- uncomfortable as guys being able to, uh, you know, brothers that, you know, watch out for each other, you know, ending in a phone conversation with, hey, hey bro, I love you. What did, like, what, what did that happen? What, 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 just, and, uh, and and getting comfortable with that level of yeah. intimacy, just with guys, not in a not in a weird way, but in yeah. a no. I I see you. I know you're not perfect. I love you, but my the love I have for you is not even near what yeah. God's love is for you. I don't know why I went down that road. No, it's it's it, it's it's a good. It, it it's really good that you went down that road because there was one that I didn't circle, but it it falls right in line here. So in verse five, if if you know you listen with the Bible open, we did predestined adopted, and then we went redemption, and then we went forgiveness. But at the beginning, or 
probably, yeah, just right before verse 5 when it starts on this thing. You, you know, you asked the question, Ben, why did he do this? It says, in love, he predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgave. And so it's almost like, you know, when someone says, is love actions or is it words? Well, it's both. Yes. But actions speak sometimes louder than words. And so just in case we missed it, there's a I am loved. You know, we've said, I am a saint, I am blessed, I'm chosen, I'm holy, I'm blameless. But the predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, just in case you're wondering with the why, you could say, I am loved. Mm-hmm. Because it says it was in love that he predestined. It was in love that he adopted. It was in love that he redeemed. And, you know, John three sixteen, great verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There's... There's a statement that he loves us, but then there's action that he gave. But there's way more actions in Ephesians chapter 1. In love, this is all the stuff he did for you individually. and has everything to do with identity, everything to do with identity. So, you know, just to back up here for a second, because I was thinking about our 37-minute intro where we touched (laughs) on a lot of things. For the person who's out there that's saying, I don't belong in this body This is the wrong body for whatever you're struggling with, whether it's gender, whether it's sexual identity, whether it's you just have body issues and you hate yourself or you think you're born in the wrong family. The fact that you were a saint, blessed, chosen, holy, you are set apart for a purpose. There is a purpose to your pain. There's a purpose for your suffering. There is a purpose to the confusion. And the purpose is not sin. Read the book of Job. Who are you to question me? Brace yourself like a man or brace yourself like a woman, and I will question you. I have a purpose and a plan. You're set apart for a purpose. And no, you're not broken because you struggle. You're blameless. You're loved. You're predestined. Just the way you are with all of your, what you perceive as faults, he has said, I've adopted you. I've redeemed you. You know, one of these things says about redeemed Redeemed literally means to buy out, to buy out. Mm. So someone who runs up a bunch of debt, trying to run a business, runs up a bunch of debt, they're underwater. They're, you know, they can barely pay their employees. They're, they, they've got personal debt now. They have to take two mortgages on whatever they got to do. And, and then someone comes in that sees the beauty and the value and just says, I want to buy you out. When they buy that person out, they have to pay off their debt. They have to pay for the business. But in Christ, he goes, and I'm going to pay you to be my servant. And you're never going to go in debt again because I have unlimited credit cards. <laughs> That's a buyout. That's redemption. Yeah. That's a different picture. Yeah. And, 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 and what comes with that is this idea of forgiven, mm. forgiven. And all these things aren't, aren't just playing with words. We're... These are all the things that men and women and students struggle with, you know? I mean, I'm thinking of the times when my kids, you know, when I have to call them out on sin. When I say call them out on sin, it's usually mouthing off to mom or, you know, they, you know, maybe did a little white lie or they, you know, the way that, you know, one of them, their tone towards a parent or somebody else. And there's this, I want to run away. I want to run away. I don't want to sit there and face it. In, in, instead of believing in forgiveness, that's our natural tendency too. Well, no, you know what? Forgiveness is for you guys. It's really not for me. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is the people I'm preaching to. It's really not for me. But if I'm redeemed, if I'm bought out and I'm forgiven, wow, there's a, there's a 
there's a whole other level of implications to that feeling mm-hmm. as, as far as it relates to identity. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I don't, I think I have nothing to add to that. I think that's I just I do it. not either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm always accused of that. What's See, the that's next word? The, yeah. What's okay. the next word? So here's the next word. So, so now it goes a little bit, you know, the, I'm, I'm trying to make all these I am state statements for us and I didn't want us to miss the I am love. Right. But then he goes, um, on a verse, the latter half of verse seven, there's a bunch coming at, at you. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, in heaven and things on earth. So that's a lot of stuff there. And Paul is the king of the run-on sentence in the New Testament. But when I... Read that verse, the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us, and then all those other adjectives and, and, and adverbs and stuff in wisdom and insight, the mystery of his will according to his purpose. Da, da, da. I just wrote down with that, I am rich. Hmm. If the God of the universe adopted me and made me his child, I'm, I'm rich. Now, as a preacher, there's never once in my life where I was like, I'm rich. There are times when, as a little kid, you know, I got some... Birthday money, and I'm like, right. man, man, I got ten dollars. Yeah. I'm rich. I made it. No, nothing, you <laughs> right. know. This is a different level yeah, of not I'm the, rich, not the yeah. prosperity rich. Yeah, no. yeah. Riches, according or according to the riches of His grace, and and you touched on it before that He's lavished on us. What's the most important rich we could have is this grace, mm. this getting something I don't deserve. Yeah, and you know we talk about this a lot, a, a lot in Fight Club. It's been lavished. It's been poured out. And, you know, I usually ask guys when we get to this part of the Fight Club, you know, one-on-one that I do with dudes is, has anyone ever lavished something on you? Have, have you ever felt lavished upon? And, you know, at first guys are like, no, that's weird. But then some guys would be like, oh, I remember this happening one time or this Christmas or this moment, you know. But lavish is a big deal. Yeah. So I'll throw that out there. What's that feel like to hear? That the riches of grace, that God's riches, these spiritual blessings, he's lavished upon you. Yeah. I think for me, just hearing that and breaking that down in my head is there's just a ton of confidence that comes in belonging to this family. Is It's not just like, hey, I gave you enough to get you through, right? I gave you enough, but if you screw up this many times, bro, like you're out. You know, but it's like I lavished it on you. It's not that the backup's in the pen waiting, right? It's not after so many mistakes we'll find a replacement. But it's I've lavished this on you, and you can find ident- find your identity in my grace, and let that be what drives you. Right as we're talking about identity, for me, when I hear lavish, it's this idea that is like this isn't going anywhere. Right, yeah. there's nothing I can do to screw this up, but there's also nothing I can do to get more of it because it's already been lavished, hmm. and it was before I did any of this that he lavished this on me. And I think that's the piece that I really experience from that, and then I think about. The lavish gifts that I've received, I've cried on the podcast because of one of them. But it's just like, man, how much more does God love me than that? And, and some of those gifts, like those people really love me. Yeah. And it's like, man, like, but I think it's really hard sometimes to wrap our human brains around what like a spiritual lavishing and like spiritual richness is because we're so obsessed with material things. Right. And so it's like, okay, yeah, you say I'm rich, but how come the water bill might not get paid or 
winter's coming and I'm not sure if electric's staying on all the way through. Like, what does that actually mean? And so I think that's a difficulty piece for humans is we get so, we can so quickly put human characteristics on a non-human God that's like, yeah, but if we're rich, then what's that actually mean? Right. And we, and so it's, it's hard for us to conceptualize the separating spiritual and worldly things. Very much so. And we, you know, at our all staff meeting we had on Tuesday where we all came together, ministry leads and, and staff, and we were, we were just helping encourage and center each other where we get off and where we start to get isolated is when I start looking at, like, I'm going to define rich as how much money is in my bank account. And then suddenly it's like, well, I'm going to get a little, because there's never enough. I mean, <laughs> that's right. just the reality. I mean, for most people, that that's the reality. It's it's not going to be enough because if you're using that to try to satisfy you, mm-hmm. that's a bottomless pit. That's a black hole of energy um, that you're, you're never going to meet. And when our <laughs> the Christian ghetto, when our gaze drops mm-hmm. and we're staring at that and we're like, well, I'm looking at worldly riches. Like, well, yeah, that's not at all what God's talking about. Mm-hmm. But when, and this was the encouragement that I heard being given to, you know, from one staff member to the rest of us was, I, I got to keep my eyes fixed on this part, the spiritual, the, the what's coming, uh, what's happening in the spirit realm that I can't even see right now. And it's when I my blinders come on and I start looking at just, you know, the, the that stuff. And, and does God care about that? Yes. And does he perform miracles where that stuff gets handled? Yes. Um, always? I don't know. Prob- probably not. <laughs> but but when we're going to look at what's important, how we're defined, um, uh, you know, as, as spiritual beings, that's what God's most concerned with. And that's what he's talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I know when I have when I've taken my eyes off this and started looking at my physical, uh, worldly situation. Oh man, I can get distracted and so discouraged in a hurry. Right. And my identity again, I'm. <laughs> it's an identity thing. I'm. I'm if letting these worldly things, uh, these worldly definitions, these worldly statuses become the definition of who I am, mm-hmm. and it fails me every time. So I'm thinking right now about um, a tangible moment of lavished. And uh, kind of the way it worked is I, I, I was working through some of these identity pieces and I, I was being stretched into whether I was going to believe God and his promises and what he said about his provision, about his care, about my identity. And this would be years ago when we had, you know, all the kids and the car seats and we were in the green suburban and we were on vacation and we'd just been uh, to the beach and uh, spent some time there. And we decided that on the way home, we were going to kind of meander our way home. So our time at the beach was done, but we wanted to see some friends in North Carolina. We were down in Florida. So we want to see some friends in North Carolina, take our time through Kentucky and kind of do whatever. And so we went to see our friends in North Carolina who we hadn't seen since we lived there and God has blessed them. Um, they, they would, they would be considered very, very well to do. They worked hard and they love Jesus and they take care of their stuff and they just, yeah, it was good times. And, um, and so our family rolled up just it's like, we're like the, the Beverly Hillbillies from Northern Kentucky, and this is South Charlotte, you know, where it's where the beautiful people live and they had a new house. And they were like, oh, we're so excited for you guys to come. You guys can all stay here and this and that and the other. And we get to their house, and I kid you not, it's the biggest house I've ever stayed in. 
I mean, it was, I mean, there's no other word for it as a mansion. It looked like a Mediterranean villa. It had wings. It had a six-car garage. I mean, and and I'm, that isn't my world. I'm the son of a pastor, son of a missionary. I'm a pastor now. I'm not rolling in it, you know, I don't think. I mean, God's taking care of us. But And for the next three days, they lavished upon my family. Like, he had to work. She had some, you know, appointments. And they were just like, if you just want to lounge by the massive multi-level swimming pool— and we've we've asked the cleaning lady to stay all day and cook for you. So we had to cook. And then at night, we were hanging out with them, and there was a game room and a movie. I mean, it was crazy. I, I In fact, I, I wrestled with even sharing this because I know what we love to do in northern Michigan. Must be nice, right? I didn't deserve this. And these people just loving our family. And, you know, my wife and I, um, you know, they wanted to take us out to eat. And they took us out to eat at a restaurant that I, I could never afford. And uh, it, it was just, you know, these people, they love Jesus. They support our ministry. They support us through, you know, through Forge and through the, the tabernacle. And it was like, man, I just felt lavished upon. And then, you know, when I kind of saw the check that came at dinner, it was like, for four people, is it possible to spend $700? Oh, what in the world? I mean, food can't be worth that much, you know? And so I'm like, this is, you know, just for a minute, it's high roller, you know? And then my Suburban broke. And I'm like, oh, how embarrassing. I'm with all these South Charlotte, you know, really. I mean, these are my friends, and I already feel terrible. I've been living in their house and swimming in their pool and eating their food, and they're picking up all the t- tab. And then it's like, oh, no, no, we're going to take you to our mechanic. We're going to get this sort- sorted out. Bros, it, it had to have been a $1,500 fix. And we don't have it. All we had was gas money and maybe stop at Mammoth Cave on the way home, you know. And our last day there, it's time to go. And uh, they gave me a ride to pick up the Suburban, and I went in to pay the bill. And the guy's like, oh, no, it's all good. And I'm looking at my friend going, you called ahead and paid for the bill. And this word kept coming back. I'm going to get tears. Lavished, lavished, lavished. And it was tangible. And the only reason I'm sharing that to say, I don't know, I don't think we know the extent of what lavished is. And sometimes God gives us these little tangible moments to show us where someone, or in this case, my friend Tom and Marie could be Jesus with skin on. And I'm not going to tell you all the stuff they did, but I'll tell you the last thing they did is we're pulling out. We finally get the family, you know, the whole fam, all seven of us and the family trucks are, and we're ready to go home, Right. Uh, he, you know, we'd already hugged and kissed everybody. Window rolls down and he comes out and he goes, Hey, uh, put something in the little side panel on your door there. Just, I don't want it to fall out. Have a safe trip. We love you guys. And I looked down and I saw a bank envelope and I'm like, bro. And he looked at me like, you don't get to tell me what I get to give you. It was just a look. And so I just, we pulled out, I handed this envelope to my wife and she goes what after all of that he wanted to give us a little gas money 15 benjamins and i found myself praising god not for the stuff not for the money but being able to say when it says 
according to the riches of his grace, he has lavished upon us. What my friends did doesn't even touch, doesn't even touch how much God lavishes. Because you know what? That meal, I'm done with it. (laughs) You know, that was years ago. That money spent, that Suburban, I sold it and it blew up for one of my friends. (laughs) You know, I mean, all those tangible things are gone, right? But the lesson about the, how, how God lavishes his grace upon us, the riches of his grace for me in that moment, it directed my heart towards him where there's this identity that says, do you really trust me? Do you really believe me? So I don't know if that makes sense. If it doesn't, would you ask Matthews to edit it out? No, yeah, I think it makes total sense. And I'm yeah. thinking of the times of my life. And I think, too, for me, like those moments when those gifts are lavished, I love when it's from another believer and you see God is continuing to work in them through that. And it's just like how much bigger he is than all of that. And I think it's super humbling at times. But even to get back to just like, but how many times, I don't know, I'll ask you guys this. This is kind of a vulnerable question. Maybe we don't have to answer it if you don't want to. How many times do those gifts mean more to us than what God has given us? Boom. Yeah. And we hear that and we're like, man, it must be nice. It must be nice. You're looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Because yeah. The, 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 the lesson that I got from it was way more valuable than the money. Yeah. Was, you know, the paying for the car, was right. the meal, was the home, was the thing. It was like the... You're exactly right. Yeah. But I think so much in our human nature is we always look at the stuff and it's like, man, like that seems better than what God has to offer me because I can't put my hands on it right now. Right. But it's like, man, there's a day coming. There's a glory coming that surpasses. I mean, we listened to it and talked about it, which will be in a later podcast, but just that idea of showing up to new earth, heaven Hmm. and like. I thought my engine blowing and getting replaced was a big deal. Not even close. Right. But how often, like, in in my everyday, just going about stuff that I'm doing, do I count those brothers that took care of me in that moment more worthy of my gratitude than what God is actively doing every day in my life? Am I as grateful to God for the blessings that he's bestowed on me just in being able to have an opportunity to spend eternity with him as I am to those guys when I call them? How often do I'm like, yeah, but God, you're kind of like obligated to do this, bro. You chose me, remember? Hmm. But then when I'm calling those bros, it's like, dude, you didn't have to do this. And I'm crying when I'm talking to him. I appreciate you, man. It's like, when's the last time I talked to God like that about what he's given me? Yeah, it's true. And it, and, and it can impact the way you live your life. Yeah. I, I can remember a friend uh, uh, when I, or before I had kids, this is back in the days of, of, you know, living in North Carolina and both of us were poor as dirt, but he was a little less poor as dirt than my wife and I, cause we were <laughs> living on full-time support. At least he and his wife were both school teachers, yeah. you know? Uh, and man, I remember him having this brand new car, uh, that he had bought. I think it was a Saturn. Do, do they still make Saturns? I don't I'm even know if they sure. make no, those. They yet. Don't. Yeah, but it was a Saturn and it was it was a sedan and he would pick me up for practice. We were both playing on the pro soccer team at the time and you know, he would pick me up and and uh, his car was way nice. There was no money in pro soccer. You say that just so you know. That don't there's no lavish there. All right. It was eating Chick-fil-A and Snicker bars, right? But Praise God. He would pick me up in that Saturn and I'm like, "Whoa, nice car, man." And he was like, "Oh yeah." Lord's really bless us. Yeah, I said, bro, I really, I like your car. And he'd be like, oh, it's not my car. I'm like, well, whose car is it? And he goes, it's the Lord's car. 
And I'm like, all right, Jake, Jake Tassie, if you're listening to this, it was so annoying because he's like, oh, it's God's thing. Oh, this is God's car. This is just a car. It's just a thing. Hey, you want it? You, you want to borrow it? Here, you can borrow it right now. You want to drive it right now? I'm, like, I'm not driving your car. I don't even have good insurance. <laughs> but he was he was driving something home to me that that because his identity wasn't in the riches of the world, his identity was in the riches of God's grace the way he viewed his stuff were not as things to hang on to. Mm. And so I'm thinking about the times that we struggle with our identity because our car's not nice enough, our clothes aren't nice enough, our house isn't nice enough, our whatever's not nice enough. If your identity is in the world's stuff or is your identity in the riches of his grace that he's lavished upon us, and you realize, I may not have a lot of stuff here, but in Christ, I'm rich. Yeah. But did, did you know that I'm adopted? I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that if he's a king and I'm adopted, I'm not just a saint. I, apparently, I'm royalty, yeah. which is kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we think about it. Yeah. And I think, too, just in, to, to get back to the identity piece within all that, like, do I find identity in that lavished grace? Or am I finding identity still in all the shortcomings? Hmm. How often do I allow my shortcomings to impact my identity rather than allowing that grace that's been lavished on me to impact my identity. It's almost this like security of identity that in the midst of my shortcomings, my failures, my humanity, we can allow our identity to be shifted and shaken based off how we're acting or living, which that doesn't mean don't act and live a certain way according to what God has called us to. But in the midst of all of that, back to living by grace, how often in the midst of my mistakes and shortcomings in humanity, am I like, but man, I'm Christ's. Hmm. And I've got to remember that because it's back to that. Am I going to believe the lie or the truth right here? Because truth tells me it's been lavished on me. That doesn't mean I don't need to repent. That doesn't mean I don't need to turn away. That doesn't mean I don't need to come back to that promise or that truth. But it's still there. It didn't go anywhere in the midst of that. I think that's important too. Yeah, you still have your bedroom in his house. Yeah. He didn't kick you out of the yeah, house. Yeah, when you moved out, he didn't make it into a man cave no, or something. You know? No. Your your bedroom's still there and he's waiting for you. Yeah. What's the last one? Oh, there's actually two more. Two more. That was a good try though. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got to wrap this up at some point here. <laughs> no, we're just going to go on and on. In verse 11, because it's lavished. It's, it's lavished. lavished. This and podcast has been lavished on you. <laughs> that's right. And it's our podcast. We do what we want. So we're just going to lavish some more. So no, we can do these last two pretty quick because in verse 11, it says, in him, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So there's an inheritance for us that will, it says, I think in First Peter, that will never perish, spoil, or fade, mm. right? So it, we're talking about this inheritance that is ours in Christ. And so what is the I am statement of that? It's I am an inheritor or an heir. I, I am an heir. But there's two other words because I was doing a little synony- synonym uh, search you could say I am vested, that I am that I am vested, or I am endowed, mm. meaning that this is mine. This is something that God has promised. Um, and you know, if you've ever met an heir, you know this is somebody that knows that there's going to come a time. You know, they're living for something out there in the future. Yeah, but it's a done deal. No one can take it away. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about the inheritance that we receive from um, uh, God in Christ is that there's no death tax. Right. There is no death tax, right? <laughs> the government or the government doesn't get their share right. of this inheritance. This is an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade. Yeah. So I I'm I am not an earthly 
vested person. Right. <laughs> My parents have had that discussion with me a long time ago, <laughs> right? But that's okay because all of us, what they've given me is greater, is we're all vested in heaven, yep. that, that there's an inheritance promise yeah. for us yeah. there. That's good. That's good. Sorry. And then the last one um, in verse 13, it says, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And I don't think that's one that we should rush too much through because no. when it says, I am sealed, you know, it's this idea that, you know, like in the old days when an em- when an emperor or a Caesar or a king would uh, or a queen would with his or her signet ring put a seal on something, the penalty for breaking that seal was death. The penalty for breaking that seal, if it was between nations, was war, right? And with God, when it says he has sealed it, it's a done deal. It cannot, like all these blessings that I'm a saint, I'm blessed, chosen, holy, blameless, I'm loved, I'm predestined, I'm adopted, I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I am rich, I am vested. All of that is sealed. Mm. It's sealed. And boy, your, your, your whole perspective about identity shifts. Yeah. Now, we have the built-in forgetters. Yes, we do. But this didn't change because you had a bad day. This doesn't change because eh, the check didn't match the bills this month. This didn't change because, you know, someone on earth betrayed you or hurt your feelings or... or you or lost the job you. or... Yeah. yeah. I think Go. Yeah. I think, too, it's sealed. I, I love the idea here that it's, this goes back to we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so just that, that idea that all of this is sealed, not because of anything like we were talking about earlier that I have done, but it's this Holy Spirit that now has came and that's the seal. I've given you my spirit that's going to dwell within you and it's going to ensure that these things come to fruition. That's the seal, right? It's this promised Holy Spirit, this advocate, this helper that, that God has sent that Jesus promised us was going to be better, which is a crazy concept. Because if we were to say, hey, Jesus is speaking on Sunday, we'd have, I mean, we, it would be insane. It would be insane. Yeah. But then this idea that is the Holy Spirit inspired this sermon will be, spe- the Holy Spirit inspired, inspired sermon will be here on Sunday. And it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Right. But Jesus promised us that it's better. And like, it's just that seal of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's I think, the promise in the midst of all that. When this all comes back to identity, what seals my identity? What makes my identity something that can't shift, change, or be taken away? It's the seal of the Holy Spirit. That when I'm in Christ, when I trusted the truth of the gospel that is my salvation and believed in him, I have now been sealed by his Holy Spirit. And that can't be taken away. It's not something that um, can be spent, right? But it's something that is there and it's never changing. Yeah, and I think it's important you know, somebody's a new believer and, and they're like, okay, I just I gave my life to Christ and I, I'm, I'm trusting in everything you're saying here. That's that seal, that Holy Spirit. That's God saying, I am with you. I, I am with you. I'm not going to make you do this alone. Mm-hmm. I, You're not out in the backyard while I'm in the house and I'm going to expect you to live up to this. I am now, I we're going to, we're going to have a lot of conversations yeah. And I am so with you, you can't get away from me. Yeah. You know, and people want to argue this, well, can you? this means you can't lose your salvation. Can you lose your salvation? We're not going to go down that road. Yeah. Uh, I would say based on this, it's really hard. If, yeah. you've, really, if you've really confessed, if you've really believed, um, 
<laughs> you're going to have to – to me, I take a lot of um, – <laughs> there's a lot of just deep breath that oh, – okay. A lot of comfort. I can't, yeah. yeah, comfort that I, I'm, I can't mess this up. I can I sin? Yes, I'm gonna sin. I don't want to because that Holy Spirit's in there going, bro. No, mm-hmm. stop. What What are you doing? Where? You, wait, 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 wait. Stop. I love that your Holy Spirit calls you bro too. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bro spirit. Right. Yeah. You know, my, yeah. well, my sons asked me. My 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 kids will ask me a question like this. Yeah, they're like, Dad, what does God's voice sound like? And I mean, that's a because they're they're trying to figure this out. Yeah. Like, what is that Holy Spirit when it's speaking to you? What does it sound like? And um, I'm I, I my experience, and I can't go to Scripture and tell this, but right. it, it's speaking to me in a language I can understand. Yeah. So honestly, a lot of times it sounds like Britain talking. They're like, <laughs> "Hey, bro, <laughs> that's my best." Britain. Because the Spirit is a person. Yeah, the Spirit, the is, spirit a is a person. I love the word too. That's there at the end of that is we're sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee. Guarantee. Yeah, guarantee. And I think that that is a huge word, too, of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it. So it's guaranteed until we can put our hands on it. To the praise of his glory. Yeah, I love there's that. A, there's a note here on, on verse 13 in this, and then, and then I'll be done. <laughs> but it says, sealed can mean either that the Holy Spirit protects and preserves Christians until they reach their inheritance— or that he certifies the authenticity of their acceptance by God as being genuine. They bear the royal seal. The first interpretation seems best here, though both ideas are biblically true. So in other words, in this context, it's, it's very similar to what you were saying, Ben, that that Holy Spirit protects and preserves the Christ in you to the end, to your last breath, till this battle with Satan, sin, death, our flesh, our identity, all... The Holy Spirit's with us, that person. He is with us, and he's, and he's speaking to you, and he's guiding you, and he's leading you, and he's preserving, and he's protecting, and he's preserving. Like, all of those are good. But also, just in case you're wondering about that pop quiz that gets us into heaven when we take our last breath, the Holy Spirit is the seal. Mm. Uh, this, is the, this is the little secret ring, <laughs> the mm-hmm. signet ring, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This is the secret handshake, is that... The Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ lives in me. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, I'm thinking about the intro. I, I think if you're listening for one thing, because, you know, when you look at all these things that we have in Christ, this isn't going to fix every little thing that, you know, someone says, you know, I'm struggling with my identity. I'm struggling with purpose. I'm struggling with my gender. I'm struggling with sexual or orientation or whatever it is. But this is the foundation. Mm -hmm. This means I have a purpose and I have a plan and I'm holy and I can be forgiven. And I'm not bad because I struggle. And I'm not bad because I'm asking the questions. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't just like the, I don't want us or anyone who's listening who's struggling with that. And if you're in church, you're probably struggling in silence. Yeah. You know, what this says here is this is the foundation of who you are in Christ. Now living that out. Mm-hmm. That's a process. Yeah. Now yes. the implications of the fact that I'm adopted, the implications that his name is upon me, what does that look like? Yeah. Well, that's the Christian walk. Yeah. And, 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 the, and what do I get to now let go of because of all of this? Yeah. And you're right, John. This is the foundation. This is where it's got to start. And this is why it is so important. And, and this is something that I've learned in this church is identity is first. 
Mm-hmm. It's not about what you did. You, we're not going to show up at heaven. And if I'm interpreting all this properly, I don't show up at heaven and get to get, give God my resume of how awesome I was and what a good Christian I was. It's show up and there's a sealed Holy Spirit there. That's the guarantee. Yeah. that's what, It reminds me of the story that Alistair Begg, uh, he story tells the man in the middle said I could come. And it's just this idea that, like, in the midst of all of this, all of this stuff, the three the three on the cross, and Jesus says to one of them, truly I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. And then Alistair Begg kind of begins to tell this story of, like, can you imagine what that was like when that dude got there? And the, he's like, if there was a pop quiz, they weren't like, hey, so what's your stance on the doctrine of justification? The guy's like, <laughs> nah, I have no clue. And he's but, like, well, what do you think about Scripture? He's like, the, the man on the middle cross said I could come. And it's just like that idea that it's like, it's not my resume. It's not what I have to offer. This simply boils down to the fact that the man on the middle cross said I could come. The man on the middle one said and I so, could come. But I think just with, with what everything you just said to break down, the key piece to all of this, the key piece to finding identity in Ephesians 1 is there's a first step that has to happen is you've got to be in Christ. You've got to surrender your life to the gospel of Jesus Christ, repenting of who you used to be, turning away, finding first your identity in him. And then as you find that identity to him, now we can kind of break down what that means. But before we can really get into the nitty gritty of, well, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. The first thing is I have to be in Christ before I can be a saint, before I can be chosen, before I, I have to be in Christ. And so I think that, I don't know if you're, if you're listening to this and you are struggling with identity or anything like that, please understand, um, I, I will speak on behalf of the tab and I, hopefully this doesn't offend anybody, but we're not scared of you, um, from a standpoint of please come talk to us. Yeah. Um, your, your issues don't exclude you from a conversation. Um, you don't have to be in Christ to step into the spaces and places where we can have a conversation. I would love to walk through this process with you and uh, to tell you about how much Jesus loves you and how uh, you are his creation and that he has a plan for you and work through that. So please don't feel like you're excluded um, from an opportunity to come into conversation with us um, or whatever that looks like. I just wanted to say that because I think too often when people struggle with those things, they they run away from the church. Mm-hmm. And I think that... a huge stance at our churches we want you to run to it yeah run to the church yeah jesus Jesus wanted his church to be a hospital for people who are struggling and that's straight out of scripture so if that's a struggle you have there's no shame in this game um just come find somebody whether come to the church office send an email whatever that looks like and we would love to get you connected to somebody and uh talk through that stuff with you because um I'm somebody that's struggled with identity before. I'm somebody that not having Same I, here. I'm that's had me at a place of it's like, man, if this is my identity, I don't want to live anymore. I've been there. Yeah. But I know what finding identity in Christ did for me and the purpose that came out of that and the promises that came out of that. So uh, I'm not scared of the mess. I don't think anybody sitting at this table is or anybody that calls themselves a part of the tab staff um, is scared of a mess. And so... <laughs> Not calling you a mess, but we all are. Well, so, we all are. We yeah. can just welcome you into yeah. our mess. So come and we'll, be a part of the cracked and, pot clan. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Uh, but uh, yeah, we love you. Um, Jesus loves you, and he would love for you to understand that and come into relationship with him. So as always, Tab family, um, this is a long episode. I I enjoyed it. I don't know. It's kind of feeling heavy now as I'm sitting down here working through it. But uh, yeah, we appreciate you guys. There's and been some cokes and jokes. At least jokes. There's been no cokes. Right. But I wish no. I had a coke right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but uh, we appreciate you. We just ask that you continue to support the podcast, whether that be through sharing the podcast, subscribing, um, sending it to a friend. But uh, the best way you can support the podcast, I will say this at the end of every episode, 
is to share it on social media. So the two places that this podcast gets posted is Facebook and Instagram. So the best thing you can do is down at the bottom right of the post, there's a little arrow thing, and it says share. Just click that and post it to your timeline. Get it out there. Um, I would love to see every podcast have 10-plus shares because that's more people that this is getting in front of because that's the goal. Britain, Britain, listen. If you're sharing more stuff about masks and vaccinations <laughs> than you are podcasts, you've got your priorities in the wrong place, and yeah. you need to rearrange your identity. Right. I think your identity is in something that shouldn't be in. <laughs> there it I is. mean, really? Yeah. I mean, if I'm posting more about pies rather than this podcast, like, I, it's the same situation. My identity is <laughs> in pie. I don't need it in pie. I need it in Christ. And Christ is in this podcast. Yeah. And as somebody who has had their identity in pie before, um, I will tell you that it will leave you broken, busted. No, but seriously, uh, seriously, it's not, I don't look outside myself, people, places, and things. I don't mm-hmm. look inside myself because I can't always trust that. Yeah. We look to Jesus. So share the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> if you call yourself a Christian, your identity is found um, really well said in Ephesians 1. So go study that for yourself. Spend time in that. And, uh, Find hope in those promises that you've been given. Ben, any closing remarks for the people? No, I actually, uh, you know, the whole reason we do this is because we want people to be able to experience this. Uh, We believe that this is going to set people free. Uh, We've been set free, and it's a process for us. Uh, So that's why uh, we're not asking you to share this, um, you know, for our glory or anything. This is simply we believe that there are people that they desperately need to hear this mm-hmm. maybe it was you uh i was i needed to hear it again today so thanks guys um appreciate being able to come yeah. on here to those of you out there jesus loves you enough to die for you he did and he walked out of the grave and because of that we have victory and identity in him so um if you don't know him maybe you should try it, it change my life so until next time tab family this has been john and Britton signing off